welcome to episode 208 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man who's trying just to breathe in clean air in Oakland, California. It's Randy Michaelstaff. Yes, that's me. What's going on? Randy, is that a fan I hear in the background? There is a fan, yeah. It, it's on uh, auto mode and it just kicked on like higher name. when we started no. recording. Randy, you missed my hell of a good joke. I kind of heard it, but I'll listen back to it when I'm editing. <laughs> I'll laugh to myself like I do all the time. That's true. Randy, we do need to work on the verbalization of your laugh. Yeah, the, I've been kind of better. I get some. I get you some have in. gotten better. Look, when I hear an audible Randy laugh, I know that I've done my job, Josiah. Josiah Park is joining us here on the intro of the show. How you doing, ladies and gents? Josiah, as we briefly talk about in the uh, episode, uh, Josiah did a light uh, breaking and entering uh, in our domicile today. Oh yeah, I mean, it was. I I was. I was on ten the whole time. I walked up. Usually, I knock on the door, but I saw that the patio door is open, and I'm like. Oh, okay. And I just opened it. I opened it, walked on in, and tried to like walk through the rooms and see if anyone's here. Nobody was here. It's a nice TV, and you got systems. You got a whole Blu-ray wall. So I'm like, <laughs> so like Russell was talking about movies he was gonna save last week, and I'm thinking about movies I'm gonna steal this week. You could have done it. <laughs> nah, but yeah. Yeah, we were we were knee deep in an interview. It's been a marathon day today. We've been in here for about four and a half hours, um, and uh, we were knee deep in an interview. And then most Jasadi, I'm like, oh, okay, hi. Uh, so yeah, uh, Jasadi, thank you for being here, and always joining us in these pre shows is Oksana Valeria Navanaba Osachi. Hello, Oksana. How are we today? Um, I'm okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It hasn't been super eventful. <laughs> what, what were you doing when we were in this 19-hour uh, uh, interview process today? Oh, well, I'm going to mention it in my, in my oh, script. Oh, okay. Right All right, perfect. <laughs> I was doing too many things to do the thing that I was supposed to be doing. Okay, well, enough with the preamble. <laughs> Tell us about what's going on uh, that we can entertain ourselves during the COVID. So last week, um, the Barge people came out from RLJE Films. That's the uh, American distributor. There, it's a British movie about two couples who head off on a relaxing weekend on a barge in the British countryside, unaware that flesh-eating fish mutants are lurking in the water. Um, we got a review from listener Sam. He popped up from his cabin in the woods. Um, he was super excited about this one. It's been on his like most anticipated movies of 2020. So he sent a review, <laughs> which made me want to watch it even more. I've loved all the images I've seen from this movie. Um, so that review, I, I was uh, formatting it into Blogger. So that's now oh, okay. on the Overlook website. Um, the movie is available on VOD, Blu-ray, DVD. I'm probably going to order a copy later today. Um, then this Friday, supposedly, the cursed movie, The New Mutants, will be coming out in theaters. <laughs> that was supposed to come out 19 years ago? Right? It's been... I don't know. I think at least three years ago it was supposed to come out. Yeah, and it's not a horror movie anymore, so I'm not even excited. Oh. It's like a sci-fi drama or something. Like, they cut out all the all the good stuff from the first trailer that came out however many years ago. What a mess. <laughs> it's been rewritten, re-edited, 
tamed down, it sounds like. So, but that's going to be in theaters, <laughs> supposedly everywhere on um, the twenty eighth. Uh, it's I'm like, it's an office. that same day. Um, Entwined will be in select theaters. It's about a city doctor who moves to a remote village and falls in love with a woman who has a mysterious skin condition, which he finds out is a dark secret. Apparently. Oh, is he into that? <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. Not good thing. <laughs> is that it? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, joining us this week on the show is director of Fried Berry, Ryan Kruger joins us. Um, Fried Berry is a film uh, that we were able to watch uh, via Fantasia. And uh, I'm tell you right now, this is not going to be the first time you're going to hear about this movie. Uh, this movie is a kinetic, fun romp about a South African druggie who gets abducted by aliens. <laughs> I mean, come on. Jasadi, I know he, you're itching at the post to go watch this thing now. Yeah, so I want to go watch this. He has sat in on the interview. We're showing screenshots. I, it's it's definitely a movie that piques your interest. And uh, Ryan Kruger, uh, is a, uh, this was his uh, feature debut. And uh, he's got a hell of a, fic- hell of a picture. And uh, we, are, uh, we were super thrilled to talk to him. And um, great interview. So please stay tuned for that. Uh, for any questions, queries, concerns, or comments, please direct those to podcast at overlooktheater.com. Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, the other one, find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. It's not any of my business what you do on your own personal time. The Overlook Hours available on Facebook is The Overlook Hour. The Overlook Hours available on Instagram is The Overlook Theater. The Overlook Hours available on Twitter is The Overlook Hour. Find us, like us, comment, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Randy? If you have a VPN, you also still can't watch things on Fantasia unless you have a uh, Canadian credit card, just FYI. All right. So enjoy Ryan Kruger, Fried Berry, for Russell Fisher, Randy Stan, Oksana Osace, Shasadi Perkins. I'm Clark Buttle. Until episode 109, why don't you go ahead and have fun, lollipops. I see their front tooth is missing as I bite down. All right. Well, thank you, uh, Creepy Clark, uh, for that uh, installment of this week's two-sentence horror story. Now go back to your little cavern. All right. right. Now now that he's out of the room. um, God damn it. That guy freaks me out. Anyway. What uh, is the show because? (laughs) What are we doing? (laughs) It's 90 degrees in this room. We're doing bits. We we got bits now. It's the Lord's Day. Um, We're breathing in smoke. Also, uh, I have follow-up news from last week's uh, two-sentence horror story that um, was hard to understand on here. But, you know, we put it out there in a in a little cute PDF that you can share on social media. Please do. Maybe you wouldn't feel comfortable sharing that one as it kind of alluded to a pedophilia. Pedophilia. Like you're watching that new Netflix show with the 13-year-old girls twerking. Wait, what's happening? What? Yeah, we can talk about that later. Anyway, or not. Sam, <laughs> listener Sam, who wrote it, went and put it on Reddit, and they banned him. <gasps> they really? banned his fucking account for what? sharing that. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> overlook. Overlook. One of us.
The Shining is a good movie. <laughs> also, I made a soundboard, Randy. So <laughs> tight. I love how we say so for- that. <laughs> we want to get Randy's uh, pure reaction. Yeah, pure terror. How many? How many clips you got on the soundboard right oh, now? Too many, like eight. Oh, and the cool. audio. The, I just learned how to do it earlier today. Like I figured it out, and um, the audio levels are all over the place. Um, also, we're here with the uh, Jasadi today. I'm back. He just bitch. He, <laughs> he just kind of showed up and hung out while we uh, were uh, yes, as we we had two interviews that we had to do before this intro today, and uh, five minutes into the intro, and which when was Jasadi? I, I broke into y'all house. Now, I mean, I didn't break in, but like the screen door was open and I just opened it and I walked in and I walked to your house and then I walked upstairs. Yeah. You didn't that, even say hello to Oksana Valeriyeva Osasi? I didn't see Oksana in there. I, look, I looked in and I was just like, oh, this shit. This was a straight B&A, this, baby. Man, I was like, what can I steal? Well, she probably saw a black <laughs> dude breaking into her house and went in here. <laughs> I was like, this is anybody else's house. They would have for sure called the police. No, no, for real though. How was it sitting in here and watching? Because we pant, I pantomime a lot during these interviews. It was kind of like, I have like a, I don't know, a nervous energy early on. Did it, was it weird being in here watching us? Nah, you could tell. I mean, you guys are hella serious when y'all interview though. Like y'all just be well, like, we're hey. goddamn professionals. Well, no, I, I, and I respect the hell out of that. No, that's not a problem at all. But I, I just, I just noticed the shift. Like it's not like how we are now, how we kind of loose with it. It's more like, yeah, taking care of business. Well, the thing is, you know, now I'm not booking the show, so Oksana doesn't give a fuck, and she'll reach out to PR people and talk to managers, and a lot of the time they set up a time with people who have no fucking clue who we are. So it's really an interesting dance to like open up with because we're it's cold. And you see, I start the recording the minute we're talking. Yeah. Usually we're placing a call and we we've never even talked at all now. Like it used to have the the email. It's nothing. So a lot of the times it's almost like we gotta feel it out. I I think a couple of times we've gone in hot and it didn't it did it get weird? Everything no. gets weird, baby. Yeah, no, they were good though. These these were fine. I was more concerned with like how we looked in here because I, I do a lot of this. I'm <laughs> pantomiming now. Like, I, of course, when we have video. It's gonna be hella funny. <laughs> I'm just gonna ignore it. Like when I'm doing the fucking live stream every Thursday, I just ignore the camera. Just fucking motor mouth and whatever. You'll be slumped down there in the corner. Yeah, be- <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna buy a couple futons and right. just like lay out here doing the podcast. It'll, it'll I'm going to have to nail your back to that chair so that no, you stay upright. I'll be more. If you'd watch last night or not last night, last week, I was awake. Um, my back is straight. Also, it's not hot over there in here. We're melting literally. So I feel like a candle. Now, like, Randy, on the Randy is a regular viewer of this uh, stream. Is that right? Randy, don't you regularly? Watch? Does, yeah. Randy goes in there and fucks with us. It's great. <laughs> yeah. I missed the first one, but I'm a, I'm a regular viewer now. Now, do you think that that Russell's uh, physicality has improved in the past few weeks? Yeah, I think it looks fine. I don't know. I probably have bad posture, too, so you might be asking the wrong guy. Now, the couch we're sitting on. I I get it. Yeah. Now, now, here's the thing. The reason why I'm so hypercritical is because I do the same thing. I have terrible sitting posture. Now, in terms of walking and standing... You're not going to find anybody better with posture. You understand? 
understand. I stand and walk like a gentleman. All right, excellent walking posture. <laughs> but when it comes to sitting, I, I'm a I'm a lounger, Jasadi. Okay, I'm a man of leisure and pleasure. And so when I sit down, I want to I want to be able to you know uh, take those shoes off, let my dogs bark, and enjoy the Sunday. You understand? Yeah, I get you. Also, before we get too far away, um, that two sentence horror story was submitted by Joe Oliver. He's the um, artist we can all blame for making uh, the Puff Boy. He's the one that brought him to life. Jasadi, that is this guy oh, over here on our first um, advertisement for Uff. We used him. I thought that was uh, I thought that was Clark. For, for a long time when i seen that artwork what what i, thought, I literally thought that was clark why <laughs> i don't know he kind of he kind of like he kind of looked like you in like 20 years what <laughs> i am so confused this. all right so here's the thing a i don't have the hair like that b i don't have braces See, yes, I do have a round face. Somewhere <laughs> there. I am shorter. I've never worn a sweater vest in my life. That's it. Okay. <laughs> now, also, I'm not green. Now, Joe Oliver, he, he's a great artist. Experience. <clears throat> Follow him on uh, Joe Oliver Arts. He's on Instagram. Um, he's, he's fucking legit, oh, as you shit. can see. Yeah. I guess he rediscovered the podcast and has become a fan. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know how that happens. Well, he's really people. not going to like the uh, parody account I'm going to do, Joe Oliver Farts. <laughs> it's going to kill. Boy, it's going to go viral. It's going to be bigger than <laughs> Anyway, now, to pay off my accusation of Netflix um, doing pedophilia shit, read that. Read that. Uh, wait, what? Okay, there's a paywall here, and it bumped my article. What the hell? I, yeah, this is what's wrong with the journalism. on, on News my- Hub is journalism? <laughs> Netflix accused of sexualizing 11-year-old girls with disgusting film Cuties about twerking dance crew. Cuties is about 11-year-olds who are twerking. Mm-hmm. It's 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 kind of like all that other, you know, the pad, like where Honey Boo Boo came from. Yeah. So I'm guessing it's a reality TV show thing, but it's 11-year-olds twerking. And um people are going fucking Is this the movie? Crazy. Randy, Randy, your thoughts. Wait, is that is that it? No. Don't comment on the video ad. Oh, I just saw girls dancing. Oh, wait, I maybe thought, it is. It I is. Think it. it is. Oh, it's a movie. Movie. I am completely wrong. Oh, Randy, update. Oh, this is a French film. Wait, did Larry Clark <laughs> direct this shit? Hey, all right, stop hating on Larry Clark. All right. No, I love him. Don't get me wrong. Y'all always be talking shit about Dude, him every episode. We ain't talking about shit about Larry Clark. You're right. a fool. I he's, love Kim Park. I understand that. <laughs> But he's a creep. Yeah, he's a creep. You're not supposed to but say that to publicly. Do, he used to do drugs and shit. Yeah. yeah. He got famous by photographing his, his friends, friends doing yeah. heroin. Yeah. yeah so he's, he's all cranked up on biker up. meth. Wait, I think we're all missing this trailer. There are. This it's is a not, Larry Clark film about but, 11-year-olds doing TikTok, wearing thongs, twerking. But wait, the, the whole movie isn't just them twerking. There seems like a story going on. Yeah, See, this I'm in. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, this is this is not what that headline says. This looks like an... Yeah, it just seems like a story. Like, it just seems like a come, becoming of age story. Yeah. I, uh... Yeah, I, I see. You know what? We're covering it next week. I am going to watch that. Yeah, let's... let's <laughs> that looks fucking good. Now, uh, again, uh, just to be clear, I'm not a member of Nambla. Oh, and I am you not- know what? This is starting to make sense because I've been seeing memes... That until this moment, I did not know what they meant. Okay. And so I saw a meme. And uh, so I, I thought it was some cheer 
cheer crew thing. No. So, but they had they're they're all wearing uniforms like in a, a dance crew. It's a dance yeah, crew. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the one I saw was the poster for the movie, and instead of cuties, it just said whores. Whoa, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Wow. But eleven year old girls. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think that picked up. Randy, it's uh, fine. That- <laughs> now, I will tell you, I got a call yesterday that I, I sh- probably shouldn't have picked up, but you know, we, we, I was doing very important work. I was in the middle of playing D&D, <laughs> and Bill Spataro called me twice in the morning. Oh, Bill. Now, normally, Bill's a late-night chatter. That late dude, night. He'll hit me up at midnight, and it'll be 2 a.m. over there. Don't let it all hang out. So I was like, oh, shit, did something happen? You know what I mean? I was yeah. like, I'm like, all right, I'm going to answer it. Uh, he basically called to uh, vent. Uh, he was doing a little bit of indie film work. And my God, now I love Bill, but he's not a fan of the COVID and he takes it very seriously. So, you know. Back up. Who is a fan of the COVID? I know. Well, you know, yeah. I'm I'm just willy nilly out there. I don't give a f- I'm licking doorknobs and shit. I'm like, kill me. I want to die. This, I yes, live in hell. As your roommate, we- <laughs> I don't like this point of view. <laughs> well, we stopped making out after that. So I'm, you know, I got to get mine. Anyway, Bill we called We making out because you don't floss. Let's okay. <laughs> so Bill, um, he was complaining about an actress he was working with. I'm yeah. not going to, whatever, I'm not doxing anybody. But he quickly pivoted into a rant about um, this fucking movie, Cuties. And he was just like, all oh, these fucking pedophiles over here at Netflix. And he was talking about his friend called him and was telling him, like, are you pedophiles? Do you support that? And they wouldn't give a yes or no <laughs> answer. And I'm like, eh, Nambla's a real thing. And you know you don't want to burn that market. It is a it is a real thing. I, I had to pay, <laughs> I had to pay a penalty fee at the University of Southern Mississippi because uh, one of my friends um, he had to borrow a computer from the library oh, no. to do a project, and uh, whilst he was in the restroom, I went on his uh, library owned computer and went to nambla.org, and. Then I got charged, uh, he got charged $10 uh, for um, inappropriate uh, website use. Really? Yeah. Wait, wait. That's why I had to pay What's it. NAMBLA? The North American Man-Boy Love Association. What? <laughs> <laughs> South Park did a big episode on it like 80 years ago because, you know, Matt Stone, Trey Parker, they're just ahead of everybody. Uh-huh. Yeah, NAMBLA. They're a real organization. They're still around. Wait, N- National Association of Man... What? Nambla. I think it's the North American Man Boy Love Association. Yeah, yeah. I just looked it up. Yeah, Man Boy Love Association. I've always heard of the name, but I didn't know what it stood for until right now. That's, I'm here oh, Mark it. Zuckerberg is a member. Wait, Forbes posted that Mark Zuckerberg joined? That has to be like another adventures in Facebook groups. Okay, no. No, we're not going down this route. Guys, quick question. What does this show become? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not going down that route. Sound I mean, effects you know, and pedophilia. We're talking about video and expanding and uh, don't know if this is the right foot for us. To... Now, I do, Jasadi, again, um, you're not only a friend and a uh, collaborator, but you also listen to the show. Yes. You still have been, right? Yep. What do you think of the clips? You like them? Thumbs up, thumbs down? The clips. Yeah, the clips we're playing. Russell, I, I just like to poll people. No, 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 no. Because can you have some confidence and security? Oh, I just the, want to know creative like when you, output. When you play the clip, uh, that's hard as fuck because I can't see what the fuck is going on. So I know. Well, we try to give context. But uh, actually, I know. last episode, I was dying laughing off of something that wasn't even supposed to be funny. 
So when you was talking that sounds about, about right. were you high at work? <laughs> no, when you were talking about the Fantasia, what's it called? Fantasia? Fantasia. Fantasia. Uh, they best, they basically, uh, when you're talking about how it it possibly could be uh, like locked in certain countries or something like that. Geo-locked. Yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> when Randy just popped up, it was like, hey, Engineer Randy here. Uh, yeah. Just letting you know. <laughs> I don't know why it was just so funny to me. I didn't know that happened because I don't listen to the show. <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you. It was like right. It was like right in the middle of you just like talking, like you were just explaining some shit and just randomly just Randy so, just cuts in and just says it again. Randy, I appreciated that. <laughs> we we do this show in three different parts, which now I'm sure makes sense to you having yeah. been here. We do an interview, then we do this portion, and then Oksana will come up and she does the intro. Now I don't. Yeah, I you know I had heard that it was geolocked and I was pretty confident about it, but when it's all coming together, it's all Randy. He's the glue there. He g chatted me like two minutes after we we're done. He's like, "Dude, it takes two seconds to do some fucking research. It is geolocked." <laughs> I said research is easy, and I sent a screenshot <laughs> and a, and that middle finger emoji. <laughs> thumb out, thumb out, thumb out. Ooh. Decided we've been watching a lot of. Uh, uh, videos uh you know we live in very turbulent times so uh we have found this particular uh youtuber that has a particular uh, uh political views and he and his friends are at a uh, particular uh corner in florida and uh that that i, like uh, I, I want to leave a little bit to the imagination but but what we have we have found this very strange thing and i don't know again i i've entered my 34th year of life and I don't know if I've ever noticed how many people flip people off with their thumb out. We've been noticing a lot in this particular <laughs> oh, video yeah. where I've they're flipping off that. and they do the thumb out. I've always do the thumb in. Nah. Because I remember the you remember the Kid Rock CD he, oh, no. he gave it on the uh, cover of the CD. It was the thumb up. It was the thumb was in. Well, let's look to the history of the middle finger. Now, back in the in my favorite time in a American, not American actually, in a human history where people fought with uh, swords and shields and bows. Um, It actually, it comes from archers because, you know, uh, you would string a bow with your middle finger. So they would chop your finger off. So what was actually happening was, you know, if archers showed up on the tree line, they would, they would show that they had their middle finger. It's a threat. It's like, I can shoot you. Yeah, that's where that comes from. So with the thumb, I don't know where that came from. I think it's just like a weird, uh, again, what does this show become? When I, okay, I first started using the middle finger uh, when I saw, when I saw the movie How High. Okay. And Red Man just pissed you off? No, it was when, when Red Man and Method Man, when they, when they were taking their photos for school, remember they was like flipping off the camera, the, the camera? Yeah. When they were taking their school pictures. And I remember they both had the thumb out. And I was just like, and it just gave, it was like a new, it was like an enlightenment of middle fingerism for me. You know what I mean? Like I always uh, just knew. Put that in the soundboard. Okay, yeah. <laughs> like I always knew it was just like, okay, don't put up the middle finger. But just like the middle finger with the thumb adds that extra oomph to it. It's just like, I'm not only, it's like, because to me, when you just do this, when you just do without with the thumb in. It's like you're kind of holding some stuff back. You're still showing a little bit of love for that person. When you have the thumb out, it's like all the way. But I think it adds to the focus of the middle finger. The the thumb detracts. It looks like it, you're telling me to steal second base or something. 
you know, you're sending me extra signals with this thumb. It looks like it looks like my my hands dick is hanging out. I think it looks like a lack of motor function. You, yeah. you just can't. You have like yeah. no manual control. Yeah. Are you serious? The yeah. thumb out is like one <laughs> thumb of the, in. Like, most <laughs> thumb in. Put up any photo of Tupac giving the middle finger. He's has the thumb out. You the thumb out. It just shows. And look the what floor. it did to him. He's dead. <laughs> look, fuck you. All right, thumb out. All right, if y'all l- listen here, if y'all don't learn anything else from the Overlook Theater, it's this: you keep that thumb out when you flipping people off. All right, Randy, where do you where do you sit on this? You know, let's say you're in your your 2014 Honda Civic. You're driving down the 880. Someone cuts you off. You going thumb in, thumb out? Uh, I actually just give them the peace sign. <laughs> but uh, I do you thumb Atlantis in. More set. Yeah, Atlantis more set. Okay, <laughs> now now um, I I only pulled one clip. That's where I was going like an hour ago when I brought it up. Um, who who was that announcer for the Reds or whatever? We were talking That's about Tom this Now, do you remember our conversation? Anyway, so a dude um had a hot mic and he didn't know. Have had you heard Ooh, about this? No. All right. Well, here this I says the N word. Now, uh, that was a NASCAR job for anybody out there who's a little fragile and can't take uh, their ears. Um, I, I got what he played here, so let's listen to it first. <laughs> so again, it came in quiet like that. Did you hear it? You heard it, right? Okay, I'm not going to replay it because it'll scare people. What I was telling Clark that got out on the air, and then he went naturally right into the rest of his thing, right? Nope, I guess it, right. So that went out, and um, I think he he found out a little bit later that that little part got cut, and then he went back on the air and he he gave this speech, and again, you know, it's not a cool thing he said, and we don't have any context for what's going on, but everybody oh, we don't says know what shit. He, was talking, he don't know. Where no, he we have no about. idea. It the mic went live, and that's all it picked up. Yeah. That that goal. Well, in his apology, he was still calling the game. Yeah. Now, did um have you heard it? Yeah. Oh, you did listen to the apology. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna play it anyway, just for context. Because yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> I made a comment earlier tonight that uh, I guess uh, went out over the air that I am deeply ashamed of. Um if I have hurt anyone out there, I can't tell you how much I say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so very, very sorry. I pride myself and think of myself as a, a man of faith. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4 nothing ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. I don't know if it's going to be for the Reds. I don't know if it's going to be for my bosses at Fox. I'm going to apologize for the people who signed my. Yeah, so there was an unfortunate home run. <laughs> no, it's, it's wild, dude. man. And, and you know, like like the pro he is, he uh, didn't miss a beat. I'm going to say Tom Burnham has been at this game a yeah, long yeah. time, right? He's a. Uh, I know this guy. You met him? He, no, yes. <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, I haven't shit. met him. Is that uh, how you talk when you're off mic? I met I. You know what? I don't think he ever covered college baseball, but I, I have met a lot of college baseball announcers because um, I went to the College World Series 
um, as a reporter. Oh, shit. Uh, so I was in the press box <laughs> and um, I, I got to uh, urinate uh, next to one of my childhood heroes, Oral Hershiser. Really? Yeah, that was a big moment for me. I got to say, big fan. He said, thanks, bud. And that was it. And then you said, also, I. <laughs> for sure <laughs> you don't think for a second i wanted to look over there and see what uh, he you was didn't. working with dude you're totally a urinal creeper i i it's the impulse is there hey, I mean, when you when you said you're a big fan he looked over and he said i wish i could say this <laughs> <laughs> for sure now I, again i i wanted to bring that up mostly because we were talking about it i didn't know you had heard it before but um i again i think I've been hearing it a lot on podcasts where we're just talking about like the new celebrity and just how Ellen crashing and burning with constant apologies about like beating people in the back rooms, (laughs) how I think that model's going away where it's like the fake persona of I'm a perfect person is just not what people are interested in anymore. And I don't, he hasn't been fired. Has he? He was uh, suspended, which normally leads to you're never coming back. Yes. But I don't know. I feel like maybe we're over the hump or he'll be gone. It doesn't really matter. I'll tell you right now. I like that tie. <laughs> it has a cool tie. Again, yeah. we don't have video yet, so that <laughs> doesn't really help. But yeah, I, again, I think the new platform is really podcast and kind of getting the full spectrum of real people. I mean, you also got to remember, like, the in the industry he's in, I mean... I don't know. I mean, it, <laughs> okay, good point. No, no, they could be. They could like do do the people who watch. I don't, I'm not hella into baseball, but I, I feel like that's probably the culture over there. Oh, like, do where not he, give where, me. Where he works at. Wait, you think they're all homophobic? No, I'm in not baseball? saying people who are into okay. baseball are homophobic. But I'm saying for him to casually talk about that, I'm pretty yeah. sure. Well, it wasn't it was off mic? But who is he talking to? And talking again, to he could have been talking about a British cigarette. Yeah, he could. Yeah. Yeah, we don't know. But, but I should have pulled that commercial. BBC. Oh, there's yeah. There's been a lot. Yeah. But here's the thing. Okay, because this is similar to. So you remember the Don Imus thing? No. Yes. So yeah, you remember? Okay. <laughs> Nap- Nappy headed. Yeah. So oh, he okay. Ca- yeah. He called uh, this group of black uh, college uh, female basketball players nappy headed hoes, and so then he uh, he got fired from it. But then I think they gave him the show back, right? Later on. Oh, he he ended up having his. Uh, he got fired from that network. Yeah. Uh, so he went independent. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but I, I'm mostly commenting on the idea that before you can be on camera, you have to be a perfectly refined person who has worked all of that juvenile shit out of your life. You know, I think now, human, but you're, you're expecting humans to be perfect. And there's no I'm not. Yeah. No, no. I'm actually making the argument against that. I'm seeing yeah. people learn from like fuck ups like that. Yeah. And also, are you defined by a word that came out of your mouth? You know what I mean? Like just because it's recorded or do you live to that standard forever? Can you ever grow beyond that? Or can people like see a more 3D image of you and, you know, be like, oh, he's a good guy. He was, I don't know, maybe he was drunk or maybe, you know, he was talking some shit with somebody and it was just a private, well, in this room. Yeah. But I mean, the thing is, I don't see where I come at as I don't expect anything from anybody. I think (laughs) what, what, what. The thing you were saying is like people build these celebrities up, whatever, if you're an announcer or anyone, and they think that they're supposed to have these views that connects with you. And that's just naturally, that's not how we work as humans. So when they do this, it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so surprised. I'm like, well, you don't know this person when he leaves from this desk. Yeah. So So the thing is, you know, Mark Maron would talk about people coming up and talking to him about his cat. 
right, Clark? Yeah. And he's like, well, it's weird because they know me very well. Where Ellen DeGeneres, you think she's dancing in between Nordstrom or wherever the fuck she's yelling at these employees? No, nah, she's putting AK-47 today back. No, she's brutal. No <laughs> eye contact, everything. Yeah, I don't know. Straight up Guantanamo Bay back there. What are you going to do? Yeah, but how much of that is even, you know, extreme? I mean, I don't know. Oh, I'm you saying, don't believe the victims now? No, no, no. no I'm not saying. <laughs> First, all of baseball's uh, homophobic, and now you don't believe victims. <laughs> all right, dude. We see, see that. This is why I don't need to be on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're thankful that QAnon is here to join us today. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know we became a cancel culture show. I know, right? Well, we're, we can't be canceled because we answer to nobody. Now, <laughs> Randy Michael Stat, how, how are you today, my dear? Uh, I'm doing all right. A little warm, but not too yeah, bad. How, how warm is it over there in the, uh, in the, in the city of Oaks? Uh, in my room, it's just under 80 outside. It is 72 with very unhealthy air quality. Hell yeah. I yeah, know. Yeah. It's, it's probably 80, 80, 81 in here. If I had to guess. Yeah. I'm dripping. Very good. Oh God. Never say that ever. Again. <laughs> uh, Randy, uh, tell us about a couple of movies you've seen this week, Matt. Yeah, sure. So I didn't see anything new this week because... Uh, what the fuck? I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't feel like watching... Um, what's his name? Ethan Hawke do karaoke to Tears for Fears as Nikola Tesla. Yeah, that's that's a big uh, pull. On that's that on one. our queue. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I might eventually watch it, but I, I, don't, I don't really feel like renting it. Um, but I've just been catching up with some things that I wanted to rewatch and then also watched... Uh, a film that is on Criterion Channel right now from uh, 1977 called The Deep, uh, directed by Peter Yates. Uh, it is a sort of, well, it's actually written uh, based off of a novel by the same guy who wrote Jaws. And it came out like two years after Jaws. Um, so essentially, these um, people are scuba diving near shipwrecks uh, off the coast of Bermuda. And they, uh, yeah, they find some some weird like colored or some like weird liquid containers and like this shipwreck. And uh, eventually some people start to come after them in the town of Bermuda. And it's not a great uh, movie, but there is a lot of like really cool underwater photography. Uh, Nick Nolte plays the main character. Oh, um, and Jacqueline Bissett plays the female character. Um, and it looks like they're straight up, just actually scuba diving. They don't look like there's uh, doubles or anything for them. And there's, yeah, the, the underwater photography is really cool. Uh, it definitely, uh, it feels kind of like a trashier type of like a Jaws movie. Definitely feels very 70s. There's like the very opening scene, I guess, was kind of uh, talked about when it first came out because uh, the Jacqueline Bissett character, she's scuba diving with like just a really thin, like white t-shirt. <laughs> Ooh. And uh, yeah, so it's very 70s in, in that aspect. But uh, yeah, I've just been trying to watch some things that are kind of light and entertaining while I'm sitting in front of fans at my house. And uh, yeah, it was a decent watch. Dude, the, the visuals here are fucking crazy. There's a guy in like, he looks like he's a Lucho Libre wrestler. Yeah. Like a skeleton. And then we got some guy choking a girl on the side of the road. What the hell's going on in this movie? Yeah, it's. 
sort of cartoonish, I guess, like uh, <laughs> the way that like the villains are portrayed. And yeah, it's a, like I said, it's, it's kind of goofy and a little campier, a little trashier than like a Jaws. But uh, I don't know. It was, it was cool for the underwater photography. And I wasn't really bored by it, but it's just like, it's a good like three star movie. It's a good two hours long. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> what uh, What do you think of Nolte's mustache in this? Is pretty. Uh, it's pretty great. I don't think I've ever seen like that young of a Nick Nolte before. Yeah, he looked really fucking young there. I know. I didn't actually know it was him until I like googled it. I just well, pressed play. Aged very well. No, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Wow, he's like almost eighty though. So is he really? Sense. 79. Oh my God. Born in Omaha, Nebraska. Excellent city. However, mm, a lot of, uh, a lot of troubles in Omaha. Apparently that is the, uh, pedophilia center of the United States. Oh, fuck. What? Oh, nice. There. Why do we got to keep it? <laughs> that's a real thing. Callback. Uh, what was that? What was that? Uh, that movie that was about the, the first kid, um, that was put on a uh, milk carton. Was it what was that movie called? Johnny is missing or yeah, something? I think, yeah, yeah, I think you got it. That, that a lot of that film was was about uh, the the terrible human trafficking and and child uh, yeah pedophile ring in um, in Omaha. Johnny Gosh. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, what a shame. All right, Randy, uh, let's uh, <laughs> try, to, try to pick things up a little bit. Uh, sure, we'll we'll try. Uh, the second thing uh, to talk about is a pair of films. Um, by director Antonio Campos. Uh, Netflix has his new movie coming out pretty soon called The Devil All the Time with a very stacked cast. You got a Robert Pattinson, you got a Tom Holland, got a Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Mia Wasikowska. But uh, Netflix also has uh, his all of his older films on. And um, After School, uh, which was in 2008, and they just now, I think, added Simon Killer, which was from 2012, which I actually saw when it came out in, uh, in Berkeley. But yeah, they're both uh, really good films. They are both rather dark movies. Um, After School kind of reminds me like a mixture between uh, Benny's video and like Jerry, the Gus Van Sant yeah. film. <laughs> um, yeah, it's basically oh, this kid who's a young kid played by... Um, Ezra Miller. Uh, he looks super young in this movie, uh, but basically he is going to this like prep school and uh, he's really into just watching internet videos. And you see this uh, sort of montage of like what he's watching in the beginning. And then maybe like two minutes in, it gets into a uh, sort of uncomfortable pornographic video. Um, so yeah, it shows you kind of what he's consuming and then kind of how that uh, goes into like his psychology. He joins like an AV club. Uh, starts making videos at school. And the main like plot of the movie is that he captures uh, two girls at the school that um, overdose and die in like a hallway. And then things kind of uh, play out from there. But get hot from there. <laughs> hot. But, uh, I really dig this hole that you've got. Oh, no, I'm in. I, you know, Madeline's been uh, yelling at me ever since I met her to watch this movie. It's good. And- yeah, I definitely think you would like it. Yeah, well, now hearing you talk about it, I will do it because I don't listen to women. You know, he's talking- <laughs> high five to Saudi. Hey, <laughs> he's talking about after school, not Simon. Kelly. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm yeah. down for both. Yeah, after school is really good. Um, yeah, a lot of people, uh, actors in it that are were rather young that are in a lot of stuff now. Um, 
Emery Cohen, who is in The Place Beyond the Pines, is in here. Addison Timlin, who was in Like Me, uh, uh, that Clark brought up. Stuhlbarg. Stuhlbarg's really good. He kind of plays like the head of the the school. But yeah, it's kind of a tough watch. Like I said, it's kind of uh, Benny's video-esque. So yeah, just know what you're getting into. I rented this at the Blockbuster in Belmont, California. Yeah, I can't remember when I saw it. I can't imagine I saw it in 2008, maybe like 2010 or something, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, I was totally wrong. I was thinking of Simon Killer, but now just looking at After School, dude, that looks awesome. After School is not. I'd be very into that. Yeah, and then I, speaking of Simon Killer, I rewatched that this morning. Um, Yeah, for the first time in like, what, almost uh, 11 years. Um, But yeah, it's a movie... Uh, The main character, played by Brady Corbett, he is a college student, or he just graduated college, and he goes to Paris after uh, a breakup, and uh, he makes friends, slash more than friends, with a uh, sex worker (laughs) in uh, in Paris, uh, who's played by Maddie Diop, who directed a film called Atlantics, which is on Netflix as well. Um, And yeah, it's uh, kind of this portrait of this character who pretty much lies his way through many situations and he's sort of a sociopath and uh yeah i mean killer is in the title so you kind of get where the movie's going (laughs) but um i don't know i really like antonio campos's style um especially like coming out with his first film after school both of the films are like super confident and restrained i don't think he ever does any handheld stuff but he does a lot of cool like pretty slow pans um, with the camera, you know, on a whatever you call it. Why am I missing what a what a thing you put a camera on is? Just, tripod. Hey, yeah, tripod. Um, I thought he looked so annoyed. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, mean, I know. <laughs> Again, tripod reminds me of my uh, urinal interact. It, God oh, damn it! There you go. <laughs> urinal interaction I had with Oral Hershiser. Hey. See all those words nice. I had to put together. <laughs> It's hard to talk when you're sweating too. So yes, <laughs> it's hot. Um, but yeah, I would uh, yeah highly recommend uh, Simon Killer. It's been rather hard to see unless you had uh, the IFC channel through Amazon until lately. Uh, but yeah, it's a uh, it's good. Rather dark. Uh, I really like Brady Corbett in it, and Maddie Diop is really good too. And Brady Corbett has uh, directed some films, which Clark doesn't like, but I think he's really good as an actor in here. Randy, that is a whoa, whoa, whoa. Gross, gross exaggeration. I did not care for his first one, but I I stand by Vox Lux. Yeah, I think we both agree that it uh, isn't a perfect movie, but we like it. I think think Vox Lux is great. Uh, the, The performance at the end is above. Yeah. That was a bummer. It's pretty bad. But, uh, eh, what are you going to do? But uh, the, what was his first film that he did that I did not care for? Childhood of a Leader. Yes. Russell, watched that one. We talked about that like four years ago. I know, and I you still you. haven't watched it, you prick. Yeah. Oh, I will. No, you won't. I know I won't. Then I why are you telling me to watch it still? <laughs> <laughs> because. All right. Mr. Perkins, what have you seen, good sir? So I saw <laughs> talking to the mic. What what the hell? You I'm talking. In, can you hear me now? Just so everybody knows, Jasadi showed up to our interviews. Uh, you know, broke uh, he broke in, walked in the room, sat down, 
made a little bit of noise. I'm not really going to give you shit for that. And then took a flask out of his fucking backpack. Hell like, yeah. What the hell is happening? So Because I couldn't find my flask yesterday and I found it today when I sat down. <laughs> so I was like, shit, I'm going to just take a swig. And a swig turned to another swig. It turned to another swig and now it's empty. Now it turned into <laughs> a three-hour intro. Hell yeah. <laughs> no, we're going to get through this fast. All right, Drugstore Cowboy. It was directed by Gus Van Sant. Saint Sant? You, you had it. You had oh, it. Whatever. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen any of his other movies. So. Really? No, I haven't seen I think you would be into his style. I think so, too. Yeah. Yeah, pull up know. his body work here. Um, so Has he been Me Too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, I, I, he, I don't know. Uh, He's a, you never saw Milk? No. Nah. About Harvey That's, Milk? Yeah, Harvey Milk. No, nah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Um, I mean... Goodwill Hunting? Nope. Elephant? <laughs> nope. They previously mentioned Jerry. Red Hot Chili Peppers Under the Bridge? I definitely did not see that. My Own Private Idaho? Dude, he did it. A- oh, yes. My Own Private... Yeah. Duh, I'm tripping. I, and I just saw My Own Private Idaho like the week before. Did, forgot Sing that it. I was the same director. That's a B-52 um, song. Uh, is it my whatever. own private Idaho? So it's, what? Come I don't on! Know oh it. my god! Okay, I'm gonna pull that up. Oh Keep talking, Vasadi. I'll have it. So um, it. I, 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 uh, it makes sense because they both feel the same. So uh, real quick, I saw my own private Idaho like a week before. That's probably what inspired me to see this movie. But uh, um, really like that movie. Uh, yeah. So th- this movie, my homie Josh was kept bugging me about seeing this fucking movie, and I was like, shut the hell up. Because <laughs> uh, he, he's just obsessed with any movie that, that not obsessed, like he's no he's a dope ass he's one of my favorite photographers and filmmakers and friends but like this motherfucker's gonna play B fifty two keep going you never <laughs> heard this damn her hair is hella big <laughs> that's gotta be a wig oh he is definitely on coke um so uh I mean fucking Keanu Reeves is just such a dope ass actor. I know he's. (laughs) I have ADD, so I get to start (laughs) laughing. And this screen is just distracting. And her hair is wild. That drummer, look at that drummer. So, drugstore cowboy. Okay. I'll I'll pause it. My homie was telling me about watching this movie because um, it just fits into a lot of stuff that we like, just real, like, subhuman. (laughs) 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 Not subhuman. Sub, like like a dark subculture like crime and shit like i love that type of shit right and so and and just you should fun- you should get into baseball i heard they're all homosexuals or no the reverse they're all homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> all right we, we, we need we need air conditioning <laughs> yeah i blame the but, trees that i'm inhaling so Jug store cowboy is a <laughs> film about these this group of of addicts right and they rob, <laughs> they they rob drugstores. But how they do it is just so dope because everything is so calculated. So they have this one girl in the group, who's the youngest one, who goes in and she fakes a seizure. And so, and this, I, I think, what when did the movie come out? The eighty nine, eighty nine. So I think, yeah, I think it takes place around the same time, right? But yeah, so it's it's back in the days before cell phones. So. <laughs> If that matters for this, but basically, um, so she fakes the seizure, and so the main person at the, um, so everyone at the at the drugstore just like runs over and tries to help her, and so while they're distracted, the main guy of the group, Bob, who's played by what's the, what's the main actor's name? Full, you are you are trying I'm to hoping. give Matt Dillon, yeah, 
so he goes in and he like will steal all the drugs. And then, um, so the other people in the group will, tr- will do their best to like distract the doctors and shit like that. And then they run out. And so they'll like use it and they'll sell it. And so Bob is just like this, like he could get you to do anything. He's so. It's Matt Dillon. Yeah. Like he's, <laughs> no, he's, he's really good at, he's really good at putting these people together. Cause you can tell like these group of friends or whatever, one of them is his girlfriend. Like they kind of just do anything he says just because he's really good at like leading people and he can get, he can convince you to do. So some were you angry shit. that you got peer pressured into watching this movie? No, I wasn't. What's I your was, takeaway? I, my, my takeaway is that like they, they're able to like, and these motherfuckers look like real drug addicts, but these, I was able to feel like <laughs> the, I, I was able to, how can I say this? Like, Watching him go through his journey. Is it okay if I spoil? I mean, he came out 89. I don't, I don't get 89, yeah. Bitch. So he goes, so he goes to the movie of getting on this high of rob, of robbing these drug stores, right? And it's not even like he likes to get high, but it's not even about the drugs anymore. <laughs> I'm not judging. It, it's not even about the drugs anymore. It's more about just his sense of He's like getting winning. high off that fucking adrenaline. Yeah, the adrenaline. He's well, that's, living that's, life. That's, so, that's what junkies say. It's not, it's not the it's not the drugs. It's the procurement of the drugs. Oh it's yeah, getting the drugs definitely. And I just I just love how um, so basically through the through uh, through the story. Um, we find out that he has like this deep. Uh, he's he's very. Uh, what's it, what's the word called? Super fly. <sighs> High. <laughs> he's by fragilistic expedition. No, he's messed that all it. up. Yeah, he's um. Wait, just study. What's he, it called? The, go, he, go ahead, take he, a minute, think about it. Califragilistic. We'll go back to the B fifty twos. He's uh. He believes in like you know fucking lucky God. uh like Karma. rabbit rabbit's foot and like Stop. luck, fucking like he he believes in like all these different things. Superstitious, like, super thank They're you, Randy. superstitious. <laughs> thank you, Randy. Randy, you win a so, prize. Now, are you gonna cue the fucking Stevie Wonder? <laughs> <laughs> so he's very superstitious, and so he has like all these weird beliefs. Like you don't believe a hat on a bed. If you do, then some fucked up shit will happen. And so his and so uh, two of his friends are like. Man, I don't know about this shit. Yeah. So one of the girls out of the group, like she's like the youngest one. She's like, I don't, I don't believe this dude. Like he's tripping. And so everyone else is like, no, nah, like we gotta believe him. We can't do it. And so she takes a hat and she just drops on the bed. Like, see, nothing's gonna happen. It's they go, they causation go causation and correlation. They go do a job. They come back and. Uh, so before they kind of prime you because they from this job they take. This, <laughs> Are you gonna run us through this whole movie? No, nah, I just want to <laughs> take this one part and then, and that's it. She takes his drug and he's like, he's like, look, you can't take too much of this drug because if you do, it will it will fucking kill you. It's really strong. So they go to do the job. Fentanyl. They come back and she's fucking OD, dead, eyes wide as fucking milk, right? And so he goes through this whole process. Um, he almost gets caught and then he he uh he changes his life around. And I just love the idea of like a character that is that has all these different you know, like you, you can't you you love them, but you love but you love to hate them. But then you hate yeah, them at the same time. They're complicated, too. and so complicated protagonists, and not knowing who really the villain is, because you're also dealing with like this crazy ass cop that's that's on his tail too. Yeah. Um, I just love stories like that. So, uh, and he does the same thing in my pro- my own private Idaho, sort of. And so, um, now I just I just love that aspect. That's, of the that's story. a good um spot for me to plug a uh, fried berry. 
which is the, the interview we did for this podcast. Um, Ryan Kruger, it's his real name, uh, directed that film. Fred Bear, you were in here when we yeah. did the interview. You'll love that movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's just you start off with the dude that you want to hate, and then you're he's the protagonist, so you're just with him. And even though the shit he doesn't do is, uh, I don't know, particularly uh, moral or just, he's not an altruist hero, you end up on his side. And uh, yeah, dude. Yeah, when when that comes out, I'm gonna remind you. You'll come over here and we'll screen it. You better. All right, back to. You just gotta hear the chorus. It's so fucking good. Yeah, it sounds like every B-52 song. Which you normally <laughs> walk around singing. So That's true. I know. Play, it's it's a fun voice to do. Dude. I got me a car. It's big as a whale. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm about to set sail. Yeah, Can dude. you talk like that to the rest of the... <laughs> He'll have a fucking aneurysm if he does <laughs> that. <the whole> <laughs> you, know much, you know how much energy I had just had to <laughs> put out? Dude, that's a fucking good song. Yeah, that is. It's yeah. not. You know what? I don't I'm, like this song. I'm going to add it I'm on gonna my. I'm just lying and say that it is. I'm going to put it on my I mean, club. I'm going to listen to it after this show. What are you going to do? I know you are. All right. Wait, wait. Before you start, I, yes. I finished The Last of Us 2. He's still got a third act to get us through. Wait, what? what I happened? finished the video game, The Last of Us 2. Is this a video game show now? Yeah. I didn't. <laughs> I don't really care for it. That's it. You it's didn't a pretty like cinematic it? game from what I hear. So. Ooh. You said, wait, what did you say? Randy said it was a pretty cinematic game. No, it was definitely cinematic, but. The I, the story fell off towards the end. You just didn't like the. Uh, what were, were, were you a baseball fan? You a little homophobic oh, over like, here? No, no, no. <laughs> that I'm not even mad at. I'm not even mad at. They should have more gay stuff in movies. Yeah, like, but First, it's a video game. In games too. <laughs> not my games. Do not touch my games. <laughs> you leave that LGBT stuff in the movies. Not my games. Not playing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke. I'm joking. All right. I'll, I'll no, live no, no. with two lesbians. What, the way I'm we're going to edit this, it's not going to play <laughs> yeah. like a joke. <laughs> my best friend's black. No. Um, so <laughs> I let black people break into my house all the time. <laughs> nah, that, I'm not even mad at that. That's cool. It was just... Um, it's just unrealistic character decisions that you couldn't have control. I like having control of shit. You know what I mean? Red Dead Redemption 2, you got a chance to have control of it. And it's a segue because we actually interviewed... Oh, no, that's not... No, that's this next week. Never mind, I was just joking. Don't right. listen to that. Um, so anyways, yeah, I, I, I felt it fell flat. But um, All right, I'm going to cut your mic. Cool. <laughs> Randy, oh did, you, did you play that game, that Randy? Good. No, I don't have a gaming system, but I do want to play it. You can come over to my house. Oh, no. Oh, Randy, yeah. Randy, weren't you talking about getting a new gaming system? Yeah, I've been talking about getting a PS4, but I'll probably wait till the PS5 comes out. That way it's cheaper. Ooh. Now get a PC, bro. <laughs> yeah. You'll never have to worry about upgrading consoles. No, you'll have to upgrade your damn graphics card. And then you'll want to mod everything out. And then shit won't work when you want to go back and play an old game. Yeah, but you can use it to do other shit like video editing and music uh, recording. Now, you record music now Russ, as a producer, you know, you, you, you do have to have um, an eye for talent. Do you think <laughs> that um, a, a Randy has a Twitch? Uh, I think no. Randy and Jasadi teaming up would be a fucking entertaining show. On Twitch, yeah. I mean, frankly, you know that racial harmony. I, I think it could. I think it could heal our fractured nation. Oh my god! Oh yeah, because I was in isolation. You call it the Black and White Cookie Show, dude. Oh my goodness. Right. Then Jerry Seinfeld's yeah. gonna send you a, a cease and desist. Look to the cookie. 
what Jerry Seinfeld did a bit about that. Oh, oh yes. my god! I'm, I'm sorry, I'm late. I don't watch the <laughs> fucking thing. Sorry. Yeah, the black and white cookie, and then uh, he got sick off the black and white cookie, <laughs> and he said that he, they just didn't agree. <laughs> the sides didn't agree with one another. All right. So uh, let's talk about the movie that I watched yesterday. Now, oh, which title are you going to use? Boy, I don't know because I don't know <laughs> what a strange film I am about to carry all of you on. And again, this is this is what I, these are the movies I love. Mm-hmm. I love these movies that are confusing as to again, uh, this is this is similar in vain to Money Plane. Whoa, I like that. Because and here's why, here's yeah. why. Um they're all starring Actors who, and again, the one common theme is Thomas Jane, mm-hmm. who's in both of those. And uh, this, uh, I'm referring to The Vanished, which just came out uh, Friday. AKA. Also, alternate title, Hour of Lead, <laughs> which is awful. It just and rolls again, off the tongue. I, and again, it, you don't know, in, in print, it's ambiguous. Is, is it Hour of Lead? <laughs> yeah, you don't know. <laughs> um, and again, <laughs> The Vanished is a better title. Because Hour of Lead is garbage. <laughs> what does that mean? I Essentially, what this story is, is Thomas Jane and Anne Hesch play a couple that should not be together. They God, Their chemistry is very strange. And this is not the first time that they have been a couple on, strange, uh, on screen. Excuse me. They were a couple in the HBO television series Hung, uh, featuring Thomas Jane as a baseball coach with a big dick who uh, made a side living as a prostitute outside of Detroit, Michigan. That was the whole <laughs> show. You blew Jasadi's mind. Right? <laughs> I think it was like two seasons. And um, not a great show. Uh, but I, I, I love Thomas Jane. He's such an interesting actor. I think he, he's a full character guy. And he just goes in on this thing. This movie is directed and written by Peter uh, Facciolini. Facciolini. Now, click, click on click on Mr. Facciolini's Yeah, but they're profile. white. It doesn't matter. So okay. he is an actor <laughs> and uh, a fairly notable actor. D- do you recognize that face at all? No. no so know. he was a big part in the uh, Showtime series Nurse Jackie, where he played a doctor. I watched all the. Uh, I enjoyed that show. Uh, he's also, I believe, in all of the Twilight films as a doctor. Oh. Uh, he's oh, been an actor okay. for quite some time. Um, I believe now, uh, Russell, could you go to his, uh, directing credits? I believe that maybe this is his first feature. Oh, he's got three under his belt. Oh, uh, breaking and exiting. I believe that was maybe. Yes. So this is his second feature. Uh, this movie let's, let's walk you through. And I get, do you want me to spoil? This is a twisty. I don't know. I'm kind of bummed. You watch it without me. This movie, this movie keeps trying to outdo itself with every different twist that happens. So the conceit of the story is Thomas Jane and his wife and Hesh and their daughter go on a camping trip during Thanksgiving and they go to an RV park. They had this beautiful giant RV and they go into this rural area. You don't know what, God, look at him. (laughs) You don't know where they are. But again, once the police shows up because the daughter goes missing. 
They can't find the daughter. This is the first 15 minutes of the movie. The girl goes missing. Thomas Jane is distracted by a young lady in a bathing suit. The the young girl goes missing as Anne Hesh went in to go get supplies. And so they've got to find this young girl. Now, th- the sheriff of this uh, county shows up, played by Jason Patrick mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Lost Boys. Lost Boys. <laughs> he shows up. Jason Patrick does a great job in this. I, I, I really liked. Whoa. He grew a big forehead. Since my lost boy, <laughs> well, but he didn't. He didn't have that bang. He didn't have the bangs. He's he's gotten rid of the bangs. Dude, he's a fucking five. He's a handsome dude. man, and I'll tell you right, he's, he's not my type. He's looking old. Okay, he's looking a little gravelly. Looking, he he's added a couple, uh, couple Jeez. lbs. What are you doing? Boobs? No, yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he's a C cup. Um, I like an so. Older the man. sheriff shows up, and they're trying to find this young girl now. Also, they let it be known that there is an escaped convict. And so now they're worried that the escaped convict has the young girl. So against the advice of the local law enforcement, Anne Hesh and Thomas Jane decide to go do a little walkabout on their own to try and find uh, their daughter or the convict who they think took their daughter. There's many, many cops all over this giant. There's a beautiful lake. Beautiful little RV park that's set up there. Um, within a matter of seconds, this couple finds someone that the rest of the police department could not find. They find them with ease. They think it is the escaped convict. Mm-hmm. And they murder him. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> then, the next morning, they get an update from the sheriff. The sheriff tells them, uh, guys, unfortunately, we had a murder last night. A camper, a survivalist um, who likes to sleep under the stars, was brutally murdered and shot in the head last night. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure what's going on. So one person already dead due to Anne Hesh being a little trigger happy. Uh-huh. Then the couple, uh, as I previously mentioned, the young lady in the bathing suit, uh, she and her husband are having problems uh, conceiving a child. And the husband is just this miserable man. And uh, they decide that they're going to help Thomas Jane and Anne Hesh find the young daughter. So they go in a boat in the lake and they're trying to look at all the, the different areas around the surrounding perimeter. And they notice a trash bag. Now, the man, uh, the husband to the bikini lady, says, <laughs> okay. like, oh, what is that over there? He's like, it's just a bag of trash. How do you know it's a bag of trash? It's probably a bag of trash. We're running low on gas. It's like, can we please go? And they go, of course, it's a bag of trash. And Hesh says, how did you know it was a bag of trash? Where's my daughter? And then Thomas Jane unhooks the boat engine so that the boat can't get started back up again. And then the boat capsizes. He stabs the guy in the water. And then the bikini lady drowns off screen. (laughs) (laughs) So we never know that she's dead until until the third act of the movie. Wait, so was it a bag of trash? Yeah, it was a bag of trash. So three people are dead due to Anne Hesh and Thomas Jane just not chilling out. Now again, (laughs) their daughter's missing. Or is she? Yes, that's right. The daughter was a figment of their imagination because she had been dead seven years prior. Whoa. Kevin Bacon movie. Whoa. 
And that was noticed by Jason Patrick, who was looking at photos. Uh, and again, Jason Patrick, uh, it, the backstory in his character, he has lost, he had lost a daughter. Okay. So this case had extra weight on him. And also his wife leaves him uh, in this movie. It's like, you're, you're taking this home with you. I can't be with you. So she writes a note and that's it. There's really not a whole lot of the storyline. <laughs> There's also a subplot where yeah, there is a red reason. herring of someone who you think took the daughter. And that is the guy who runs the RV park. Turns out he is a child pornographer. Oh, and in the back of his Jared in, here. in the back of his little <laughs> supply shop is many VHS tapes of all these children that he has abducted. And Anne Hayes turns on one and it's this young girl sitting at the couch. And he's like, come sit by me. Hmm. Yes. Oh, they were filming cuties. I'm about yeah. to say, this is cuties footage. <laughs> yeah. So she also kills him. Oh, so our body count is at four. I think <laughs> of people that Anish has killed. Whoa. <laughs> so as it turns out, so Jason Patrick back is, is looking at photos and he's trying to tie everything together. And he sees a picture of Thomas Jane and Anish in the RV park. And in the background is the twin towers. Oh, fuck. Now yeah. this movie takes place in 2018. Uh, and the what? daughter and the girl that was missing is 10 years old. And in the picture, Anne Hesh looks about nine months pregnant. And so Jason Patrick calls his deputy, played by the writer director, Peter Fatticelli. Okay. And he says, uh, did we, we do any sort of background on the daughter? He's like, no, she's a little girl. She's like, well, I'm looking at a picture here and, uh, She's nine months pregnant, and the Twin Towers are in the background. No So way. how was this girl supposed to be 10 years old they when used, that was 17 years? They used the towers as a time marker? Correct. Oh, Damn. That's my type of movie, baby. That's a classy film right there. Man. So then they call their brother. They call Thomas Jane's brother, and he says, yeah, they lost their daughter seven years ago on another camping trip, and this is a coping mechanism that they use, that they still have the daughter. And we thought it was under control. Uh, but it's not. But they're killing Also, people. they killed four people. <laughs> <laughs> and so the movie ends with them driving off in the sunset, uh, playing old videotapes of their daughter and just holding hands and smiling. Wait, wait, videotapes in the car? Yeah. On what? They have a, they have a camera. The RVs are oh, state-of-the-art the these days. I thought, I, was, I thought they had a VCR in their console wait, so or something. got away with killing on them people? The police knew they killed the people? At the end, the, the police made the connection. They're like, we got the DNA sample from the dead man. They're like, if only we... to Thomas Jane. <laughs> They're like, why didn't you find this out earlier? It's like, we've been defunded. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't afford the manpower. <laughs> Where's Antifa? <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I missed it. You know, I'd put away my little soundboard, and we kept talking about trash. Also, uh, runtime, two hours. Hey. No, right here it says an hour 35. It's not. It's an hour 50. It's an um, hour 50. Are you, are you saying IMDb's lying? Okay. That may, <laughs> that may be uh, the hour 35 version of the hour of lead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the hour of lead. I, yeah. Uh man. I tell you, it, it's, God, it's, these movies are great because it's just, they're so wild. And, uh, you know, Anne Hesh and Thomas Jane, man, they're going for it. They're going for the gusto. And it's just, it gets so weird and twisty and silly. And I, I, I eat that stuff up, man. Well, that we laughed at an image that I know is great radio. But it, if you go into IMDb and you, when, when we're talking about the film, I try and, you know, conjure back up the imagery. So I'll click on the photos that they put up there and I go through them. This one really has no 
footage of or no photos from the film. Yeah. But if you go two in, just a cast. there's they're sitting on a couch and Thomas Jane looks like a fucking disheveled, <laughs> I don't know, mobster or something. <laughs> Dude, his belly button showing. Yeah. <laughs> he is like is he like that the whole movie? Also, Anne Hesh looking like a snack oh. over there. <laughs> I know. She's, she's, showing, she's showing, showing some skin all over right. the place. Who's that guy that looks like he just got out of a fried berry? I don't know. That guy's like fucking cool. tweaked out of his mind. Okay, yeah, enough uh, visual component. <laughs> All right. So, I, I mean, I did tell you the entire movie, but uh, I think that's actually a little bit more entertaining than sitting through that hour 50 to get there. Um, Robbie Smith did text me, and he really appreciated your run-through of The Tax Collector. And uh, what was the other film? You talked about something. I can't remember. I don't You don't even remember? <laughs> oh, Money. Yeah. Was, no, Money Plan was a week before. Okay, well, he, he appreciated both of those. There we go. So you're doing you're doing God's work. We're doing what we can, even yeah, though I'm mad at you for us, not. You're saving us an hour and fifty. That's what you. I, I don't know. All right, now what? We still got it. You can watch it. All right. Do we want to talk about uh, some fantas- Fantasia films? Yeah. All right. Let's start up with a motion picture. Well, again, uh, I think Fantasia is happening right now. It is. So you missed it, and you're fucking up. Actually, wait, this is going to be Thursday when it goes, it goes up. It goes, it's two weeks long. Oh, it's two weeks it's long. two weeks long. That's well, right. we're not in Canada anyway, so. Yeah, but, but if you got VPN? a VPN. True. Uh, that's a good time to do our commercial, Clark. Go ahead and uh, plug our VPN sponsor. Our sponsor know, today is ExpressVPN. If you, like me and Clark and Russell and Randy, want to watch a film festival that we're not supposed to be watching because we're not in Canada, then you can, too, join that film festival with ExpressVPN. Try right now with a, a promo code of uh, Overlook, and you'll get the first month free. <laughs> oh, we should. Where is the joke? <laughs> There's trying, no punchline. I was, I was trying that. to see. I was. I was waiting for somebody to carry me out. I know. I was just gonna keep it right. You just there. you floated out into the ocean and we're watching. We're like, he could swim, right? Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna do a uh, commercial for uh, Canadian citizenship. So that way you can just nah yeah. directly. I'm from a the scary source. thoughts fan. They actually have a uh, transplant. He left Canada, came here. Mark, we love you. And Josadi, good job pointing out ExpressVPN, which shows up on every fucking YouTube video I watch, yeah. every podcast. They're the new yeah. Illuminati. Don't don't go to them. Well, we don't get any money for that. Anyway, yeah, it, it's but going on right do, now. Y'all gonna sell out? I'm, I'm waiting to sell. Out. <laughs> Do you know how much time I could do other shit than like packing up? Oh. The overlook hour can be bought. Oh, <laughs> I did a thing. I don't know if I should mention it on here. Mention it. It made me feel powerful. Do it. So, you know, we, we have high, uh, high price clients where I work. Yes. And, uh, you know, I work, I'm one of two people that work in the warehouse. So when we get people like the Olsen twins, you know, you're just dying to know where they live. Do right? you have the Olsen well, twins? You know, their address is right there. Okay. I just was like, I, you know, I'm a good person. They live in the city? I like to think I'm good. No. They got a property? They, I'm sure they have multiple. I mean, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, we had a new customer, and I just, I was, I don't know what kind of weird mood I was in. But I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a mental note of where they live. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look it up online. I felt like I was breaking the damn law. What, what is this? You sound like a protagonist in a Fred Durst film. You want to you know what it was? It was one. Uh, First name Ralph. Machio. Guess, Chisati? Wreck it. Uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Randy, you got one? No, I don't know Nader. any Ralphs. We got a Lauren. Ralph. Lauren. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I, I know. Ralph I know where you're, Lauren. Know where you're at right now. Oh, oh, 
Shit. Now, again. You going to steal his car collection? I'm going to dox that fool. This is the power we got. You know, we're going to do a Patreon. If you uh, pay to our Patreon, I'm going to fucking be outing all these celebrities. You know what? You want to take your BLM protest to the front door of the wrongful people? Let's get them. Let's fucking burn Ralph Lauren's house down like California right Wait, now. What did he do to Buffy? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a nice man. I, okay, I'm mostly talking. Got the little horse. I'm mostly yeah. talking to the neo Marxists, not the actual people who you know care about our. Uh, uh, what's a polite way to put it? Black friends. Black people. Even when they break, <laughs> you know, we're we're a family. When they break into our house, we still love them. Why are you turning into Ben Shapiro? <laughs> oh, I'm not gonna do a Cardi B bit. Oh, please Did don't. you see that? Yes, it's what? rough. Oh, it's bad. Ben, it's like, ben Shapiro is a conservative uh, pundit, and he was he's talking also about a dweeb. He, yes, he's a fucking dweeb. And uh, he was talking about Cardi P's new song. Wait, uh, did you wop. just call her Cardi P? <laughs> yeah, I did. I <laughs> you talking about WAP? Yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. he, he uh, essentially he was saying that uh, he believes that a. Uh, a, uh, he was o- reading the lyrics yes. in a monotone voice. But he was like, an overly moisturized vagina may be a medical condition. <laughs> what? How? A medical condition? No, that's some good ass. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's like, dude, you are so yeah. fucking lame. And then Rogan called him out and said, just stay in your lane. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that's hella funny. I need to watch that. He's a fucking dweeb. I'm not a fan. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Fantasia now. Yes. Uh, Fantasia, are you listening? Do you regret giving us access? <laughs> If you do, I don't blame you. Um, do, what film do you want to talk about first? We got three. Two of them have interviews. Well, let's, I mean, you know, uh, this week we're talking about uh, with the director of uh, Fried, uh, Fried Berry. Fried Berry, Ryan Cougar, are you listening or do you regret being a part of the show? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think that we cover most of Fried Berry in the actual interview. And again, uh, these movies are not available. So, I again, I, I think that it's, it's, uh, our responsibility to have awareness about these movies. Uh, but again, to tread lightly because we do want uh, the viewership to support these films and, and watch them. And uh, we, I don't want to rob anything uh, from people who, who experienced fried berry the way that we did. Okay. Um, then buy a VPN and uh, watch them. I mean, fuck fried berry. I thought was great. Um, do you, do we even want to, how are we going to do this? You want to talk about it a little well, bit? I think I, let's talk about the Oak room. I okay, think, you want so, to talk about so Fried Oprah. Berry, and then next week uh, we've got a, a great uh, double interview for you, uh, a film survival skills. Uh, we just finished Don't our conversation. It. Yeah, well, it's it's on we're, the books. We're, we're we, halfway. We at least got half of it booked. Yeah. Um, so the, the star of survival skills, uh, Vayu, a great guy, was able to sit down with us uh, and uh, talk about his role in the film, and then we are talking uh, mm-hmm. to the director Quinn. As well, I've been humbled many a he's time. On, he's on the schedule, right. so uh, you know. Hopefully, we'll we will have a uh, uh, just looking for uh, two different perspectives on the same project. Uh, so that will be a double episode for you here next week. Uh, but uh, this week, Russ, let's talk about the Oak Room film that uh, we snuck in yesterday morning before you went off to your weekly illegal Dungeons and Dragons orgy cult. 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 Damn. Okay. <laughs> Yes. You want me to talk about this film? This is the, okay. Of everything I've watched at Fantasia, this is the first one I didn't like. Yeah. Is that is that a good way to open it? Well, I think <laughs> I think that I, I I was much more forgiving of this than you were. And I there's something about again, uh, your your terminology of cool guy oh, cinema. It's fucking cool guys, man. So give uh, pretend that uh Jusati is is just a 
another civilian in the world who is is not uh, familiar with these terminologies. With like cool guy cinema. So explain to I'm to one Mister Jasadi Perkins about. Well, I uh, it's a lot of like fast cars, hot girls, loaded guns. So you don't like Fast and Furious? I don't like people who are um who think Tarantino is the end all of like cinema and they don't really understand what he's doing as a director. And I think, um, I, it's a weird, the way that it, um, turns into a visual story is usually convoluted by like things that just are not appealing to me. Anyway, I I'm trying to Can you give us some cinematic examples of this, uh, of films I don't like. No, of films that fall into the cool guy cinema. What was that one movie? It wasn't even a bad film. It was fucking cool guy. It was the one where um, all the people were in that warehouse shooting at each other. Free Fire. Free Fire. It's a lot of the Alamo. Like, it's kind of like, this is intellectual. I also think you have an issue with quippy dialogue from time to time. No, I love, dude, I'm a Gilmore Girls fan. Or at least, I don't know how to process that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least the, the pursuit. Of a quippy dialogue. Now, again, I, I you, much like me, uh, you are a fan of of one S. Craig Zoller. Yeah, and I believe he is a master of the English language. Yeah. Uh, but in particular instances, if you use Tarantino as an example, there are a lot of Tarantino knockoffs. Yeah, and I think that you would qualify the Oak Room as a part of that, where you've got characters with just just spitting out dialogue left and right. And, uh, and it, it can be a little overbearing where in the Oak room, essentially we've got their stories within stories, within stories here where oral storytelling. I'm a fan. Of, yes. By the way. And I, I think that this movie does a, I'm okay with the execution of, of how we got there with the forgive us, Crispin Glover, the non linear. Uh, yeah, I know storytelling that we have here. So, uh, we've got a bartender. He's closing up shop. It's snowing. We're in rural Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, in comes a gentleman. Uh, he is, his head is covered. His face is covered. The bartender says, we're closed. The guy keeps coming in. Bartender grabs a baseball bat and says, buddy, what the fuck? What's going on? And then he lifts up his hood. And then they, we realize that these two characters know each other. And, and we know him because of Breaking Bad. And he is the son in Breaking Bad, R.J. Mitty. And RJ the shows that, the one who had uh, Bell's palsy or cerebral palsy. Yes. Yep. So he well, shows he, up. He has cerebral palsy in real life, does he? Or no? I don't know. He's got something going on. Yeah. Oh, so okay. let me look it up. So yeah, he yeah, shows he up and the bartender's yeah. like, why are you showing your face around here? This is a very uh, grizzled bartender, gravelly, rural Canada. He says, rough, nice man. Mm-hmm. R.J. Mitty, as it turns out, is the son of one of the barflies that recently passed away. And R.J. Mitty has come back to collect his father's ashes. Well, this gentleman says, uh, well, you weren't around when your dad died, and your dad paid for your college, and I had to pay for your dad's funeral, so you owe me some money. So I'm going to call this other guy who also pitched in, and you're going to owe him money, too. And you're going to stay here until we get that money. All right. Now... Uh, you've given me time, and I've molded over. First off, um, his character did have cerebral palsy, and he's got a mild case of it in real yeah, life. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember um, anyway, with cool guy cinema, it's uh, so people are shooting at each other, and somebody gets hit, and something cool happens. And then I imagine we zoom out of the film, and we're now in a frat house, and there are three dudes, and they're high fiving. Yeah, that was fucking cool, right? Well, then one of them turn around and makes a movie, and what they're doing is they're imitating that moment without earning it. 
that's where I'm at, where it's kind of a lot of flashy shit and it's not good character development or storytelling. I'm not saying that that's a part of this, but this movie does its dialogue with the audience is very, ooh, you don't know where we're going with the story. But the minute you get a, a whiff of the the way they're un, uh, they're revealing it, eh, you know where it's going. And again, if I if this movie, I don't know what the budget was. If they made this movie for nothing, the reason my critique is so hard is because technically it is beautiful. It looks like a it looks like a film made by a crew of people who know what the fuck they're doing. That's great. All the performances were fine. Everything was good. I just didn't like the script. So you said the script, the writing just felt forced or it felt you know, too it's, contrived. It's uh, there's something about like, you know, uh, they call it a, what are they? What is the whole dialogue in Pulp Fiction? I'm not that big of a fan, but it's, you know, they're talking about a quarter pounder. Like Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Uh, uh, a Royale with cheese? I did when I was young. Yeah, the Royale with cheese shit. It just feels like in that moment it made sense. But then 10 years later when people are still trying to get that like powerful authentic dialogue I it's am. like so you oh man like, I you don't like the culture that was built around that shit it seemed like you didn't i don't really like pulpy storytelling i'm not a fan of james bond any of the do you get what i mean like the fantastic four is a pulpy group of uh they're actually a, a they're a parody of sci-fi in the 50s and i'm not i'm just not a fan of that but you're a fan of exploitation yeah, yeah that's what he was really uh, it's, it's really the script i didn't like about the oak room now i mean I do like the way that uh, they attempted to reveal the story. I just feel like there wasn't a lot of meat on the bone. So essentially. Um, so is this an all-in-one room type of yeah, story? Well, yes and no. Kind so R.J. Mitty says, well, if I'm going to be here, I, I, I don't have money, but I, I have something else for you. I got a story. And the guy's like, eh, a story. I don't know. So he goes into this story. And then he tells the story. And, that, and then we go to a different bar. And then that story is acted out. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then we go, then that's completed. Mm-hmm. And then guys, like, that's a good story, but how does it end? He's like, it ends. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense. That's the worst story I've ever heard in my life. He said, that's because you only know the end. You don't know the beginning. And he's like, well, why did you do that? So it's a little commentary on its own yeah. about this movie. Which I Cause appreciate. Because we're, we're jumping around a little bit. So, um, and again, I, I don't, uh, let's keep away from reveals here. Um, but uh, uh, everything is buttoned up by the end and we do see the, uh, um, everything. Oksana was like, I think I missed part of the movie. The intentions. Um, again, uh, I understand, uh, Russ's criticism of this. Uh, I, do you, I feel like I'm not articulating it well. No, I understand. Well, I, I you didn't have to for me cause I just knew. I knew. Yeah. You knew it while we were in the room. I together. just knew. Hey, um, but I sat there the whole time and I watched it. Yeah. I, I was in it. You got to give it one go. Yeah. Didn't work for me. Anyway, I think it's important to note that you predicted this film will make a ton of money once it gets out of the film fest. I, I, I think, I think that, uh, yeah. I mean, when the movie I reference the most is bad Ben, I don't know if I really speak for, uh, you know, the broad <laughs> stroke of America. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt. All right. So yeah, and the next uh geez, even though Fantasia is going to run uh for another week and a half, uh we'll be talking about these movies for quite some time, I believe. Would you give uh Oak Room thumbs up or are you neutral with it? I feel like we're 3 for 4. Out of 5, I give it a, I give it a 2 and a half. So that's a negative. Maybe 3. 
You you three for four with me too? Somewhere in there. Okay. But uh, yeah, stay tuned for uh, next week's episode with Survival Skills. And uh, we're talking to Ryan Kruger here next with Fried Barry. Jasandi, thank you for being here. I'm glad to be here. We got to get you on some of these movies, man. You heard, you heard both of these interviews. And I yeah, know I gotta watch it's, these. It's uh, piqued your interest on these. And again, Randy was uh, he was queued up, ready to watch these with us last week. But uh, you know, we we nearly died in a gas explosion. <laughs> oh shit! And, <laughs> and then he refused to come over today. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was gonna come over when I when I was coming over here. I was like, ooh, Randy gonna be here. The gang's gonna be all here. Look at what you did, Randy. I was excited. Randy left here too. <laughs> he hung up. <laughs> no, I'm still here. I'm sorry. Well, we're leaving now. So, <laughs> all right. Enjoy the interview with Ryan Kruger, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. That's fucking hot. But yeah, uh, Ryan, it's um, it's a mess over in California, man. <laughs> it's it's currently like we we went through a, a quite the heat wave last week where it was. It was over 100 degrees where we are, and in San Francisco, if it's 100 degrees, then the seas are pretty much boiling at that point. And uh, now we can't, we can't open up our windows. None, none of the hair, a, homes have air conditioning, and we can't open our windows because all of Northern California is on fire. And it's just it's like a barbecue over the entire state, and just smoke is filling our lungs, and death Wait, is imminent, is what I'm saying. Don't forget the rolling blackouts we're dealing oh, with. Too. Also that as well. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm so, going to listen. I'm going to listen to it. Well, Clark likes to complain to all our guests. So it's, it's kind of a hazing yeah. we do. No, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I think this is all part. Uh, during all our interviews during COVID, I think it's just a nice time to have a, a five minute share time. So, Ryan, please feel free to uh, give us any grievances that you have with, uh, with uh, the weather or whatever you're going through <laughs> in Cape Town. Well, for a start, here in uh, Cape Town in South Africa, uh, during this whole time, we had uh, we were probably one of the most strictest uh, countries. So we uh, alcohol and cigarettes were completely banned. It was what to to uh, to buy it or anything, and they just came back the other day and well, I'm smoking a cigarette. <laughs> nice. And, uh, yeah, so they just they just allowed it again now, and and we also still now we have a 10 p.m. curfew. Where two weeks ago it was 9 p.m. curfew, and we still have a 10 p.m. curfew. But wait, so, why why did they ban like the use of cigarettes? And what's the idea there? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's our government's a bit uh, a bit crazy, just a little bit crazy. What so, the fuck? Uh, so you rebel by making a movie about uh, glorifying drug use? <laughs> yeah. Fuck, I just need But it, it didn't work. Or maybe it did, because we just got cigarettes back. So. Oh, there you go. Well, well Ryan, how is, um, how is this whole... <sighs> Basically, time that, that you're, you're, you're out promoting the film, you've got Friedberry going through the festival circuit... How is it not being able to participate in these film festivals, uh, you know, in person and, and you're promoting the film? And obviously, you know, when, when you're on the festival circuit, you want to be in the theater watching the movie with, the, the, with a live audience and sort of get a feel of, of where that is. So how has this whole process gone for you? 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, this 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 is my my first feature, so it just happens to be that it falls under these crazy times, and it's just been a thing where obviously I would love to go to these festivals. A lot of the festivals are online. There is some festivals that are still, you know, doing the actual uh, physical festival. But obviously, you know, as a filmmaker, you know, you want to be there. You want to meet the people. You want to be. You want to sit there and watch the people react to your film and the, you know the, all the Q and A's and stuff like that. So it's very sad that you know I can't. You know, we we can't do these things. But at the same time, I think it's like a blessing in disguise because, I mean, at a festival, uh, you know, when you do a screening for your movie, you know, you're you're. Normally you get like what 250 300 people in a room watching your movie which is uh, which is great but now because these festivals are online the cool thing is more people are actually uh, can view your movie which is which is great which is the bottom line at the end of the day that you you know you want as many people to watch it as much as possible so you you know when we played at uh, in Brazil the other week at Fantaspoa we had we had 4,000 people watch the movie. Wow. So if that was a physical fest- festival, there's no way we could have got 4,000 people to watch the movie. So to know that 4,000 people have watched Fry Barry is amazing. It's, it's great. For sure. And I, I think that we're definitely, you know, are, are, we're at least at the crossroads right now to where, you know, what is this going to do for film festivals in the future? I mean, we're going through our own thing where we, we hope we run a uh, found footage film festival and we're we're at that crossroads as well to where you know you want everybody in the room but with everything that's going on and the uncertainty uh certainly in the air who knows yeah i i I mean i mean we live in the the digital age anyway so i mean you know you know for like meetings and you know what we're doing now and everything like that so i mean it's just i think it's just bringing everybody together even more and just thinking about, you know, like a new approach, uh, you know, for, for certain things. Yeah. And I think the but big thing is the protection of the film, you know? So yeah, ha- yeah, is that yeah. something that, uh, you know, these film festivals, I, I know with Fantasia, you know, uh, security is obviously at, at the forefront of, of what they're trying to do with this first online film festival. And uh, we also participated in the Chattanooga uh, Film Festival earlier this year, who um, really went all the way with the online screenings. And so is that something that you've noticed is that a lot of these film festivals are taking security uh, very seriously? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And uh, I, see, I think there's about two to three different platforms that you can, you know, have that security of your movie and only people in that country can watch your movie and then also it being protected so nobody can download it and stuff like that. Yeah, because that's definitely, you know, don't you think, Russ, that that's really one of the things that's going to keep the online film festivals sort of not growing out is that you, you've got to be able to protect the filmmaker. Yeah, of course. Yeah, well, I, I, you know what? I think I think in the future, because there's a lot more, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's like like in England, you know, if you have a festival in London and you can't get down to London. So, you know, if you live in somewhere in England, like Liverpool or Manchester or wherever, then, you know, now with the, during this pandemic that, you know, people can go online and, and watch it. So I don't know. So maybe after this whole crazy thing ends, maybe it will be like, 
you know, half in the cinema and then half online. So so people can actually, people that can't make, you know, and, and from their own home. So it might be also a good thing, you know? Yeah. It, 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 so let's talk about your film specifically, which I just had an absolute blast with. And um, so, Ryan, I, I'm colorblind. OK. And so even though a lot of colors I cannot identify, I like it it's when it's bright. Black and white movie, man. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Blue, green, pink. I will say <laughs> sometimes if I didn't know the order of the stoplights, it would be a very difficult <laughs> enterprise. Uh, but your film is so vibrant and uh, it is just intoxicating w- with everything that's going on. And um, really, I I want to first again, uh, you know, the film is in the festival circuit, so we'll we'll paint with a broad brush here. Um, but I, I want to know about inspirations for this because immediately I thought that this is a a, a great riff on After Hours from Scorsese. I, I sort of got a lot of vibe from that. It's just a one crazy night, uh, just an unpredictable thing. And obviously, you know, you're, you're raising the stakes quite a bit uh, from what's going on with that. But it, it, what were sort of your inspirations with, with this story? I mean, mainly the uh, cinematically and, you know, some of the references in the, in the movie, there was a lot of, for me, a lot of uh, 80, 80s uh, cinema. So, I mean, you know, we had the, like, Close Encounters reference or E.T. reference or Terminator or uh, Aliens uh, or Starman by John Carpenter. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of 80s, like, references in the Or, like, you know, in the 70s, you've got, like, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So there's those references. So sure. there's, there's a lot of, like, nods to a lot of, a lot of movies uh, from, from the 80s. And uh, let's let's immediately talk about the casting of the lead here because you're you're telling a story through your main character without him saying many words at all. It's you're he's already telling a story just from his face. So how did yeah. how did you get hooked up uh, with Gary Green and, and that casting process? Is that as soon as you saw him, you knew this is the guy. So. So basically, with with Gary Green, his background is he's normally an extra, so he he's normally just in the background and like he's he, you know what he's actually a, quite a well known extra in in Cape Town because he's always that like annoying extra who's acting over the top in the <laughs> background yeah and just wants to be seen. So some of the ads or directors are always like oh fuck let's what's what's this guy doing in the background? Like, let's swap him out. Let's, let's, let's get somebody else. So he's, uh, so he's quite known as being an extra. I've known Gary now for about 10, 11 years. So in the 11 years that I've, you know, shot music videos and stuff like that. And short, I've, you know, Gary's been an extra on a lot of my stuff. And then he, you know, he's got a featured part here and there and stuff that I've done. And his parts are just growing more and more. And I've, I, I love, so he's not he's not a trained actor or anything like that, but I've always loved uh, characters. So I love you know his face is such a unique you know nobody looks like Gary. He's yeah. just got that like unique looking face, and he's just got this presence. And you know, going back to Gary doing the extra work is that 
you know, he's probably pissed off a lot of people back in the day where he's just trying to outshine, the, you know, the, the subjects at the front. But at the same time, he just wants to be seen, you know. He just wants to be seen. He just wants to get a shot. And over the years that I've worked with him, you know, I've given a bit more bigger roles and, you know, at, you know, throughout time. And I knew that, you know, in 2017, I made a three-minute experimental short, also called Fry Barry, but it was literally just about a heroin addict in an abandoned building, freaking out on his latest hit, and that was it. So when I came up with the idea, um, and I've got all these other scripts that I could have done, but when I came up with the idea, I knew straight away that this is the idea to do, and it had to be right. Um, you know, it had to be the right story and the right way to make the movie that, you know, that, that Gary would be the lead. So saying that with the character and stuff like that, it just had to be perfect where he didn't speak a lot and it was all based on facial expressions and him being, you know, so, so, you know, such a random character that he's this alien and there had to be a clear difference from the heroin addict and the alien, you know, throughout the, throughout the film from, you know, from the start and then when, from when he gets abducted. But the way I made the movie was when I got the idea, I, in three days, I wrote a scene, brief breakdown, which was Barry goes here, Barry goes there, Barry does this. And we shot over a year and a half and we only shot, shot 28 days. But I, the whole movie was based on uh, improv and workshopped on the actual day. So it was like plan, plan, shoot, and then a few weeks later we'd plan and then we'd shoot again. So I wrote about six pieces of dialogue for, I wrote, yeah, I wrote about six pieces of dialogue for the whole film for certain characters. And then that was it. All the rest, you know, we improv and workshop on the day. But when it came to Gary's performance, uh, it wasn't improv, but I had to work with him super closely. Because yep. I had to get exactly, because he's not a trained actor, I had to get exactly what I wanted. And I, you know, I would say to him, don't do this, don't do that, just concentrate and just do exactly what I say. And there'll be some takes where I'm looking at him and I'd be like, copy my face and give me this face, give me that face. So I've got like extra things to cut to for like reactions and stuff like that. But he gave 120%. And he, you know, he had a lot of fun making it. You know, completely trusted me, and yeah, I just had to work with him very close. But when he, every day he got on set, he didn't know what we were doing until I told him. So I didn't want him to overthink things or try and rehearse or try and do anything. But there was no script anyway for for him to be able to do that. But I had to really like live in the moment with him, and you know, have a, have that clean slate every single day. So. God, that, uh, so what were the challenges in that? You know, it, it was he just able to just pivot into that every single day? Uh, yeah. I mean, he, like, the, the, and that's why I said, like, the cool thing was, like, I knew if I told him too much, you know, he's going to try and, like, want, want, want to please me and try and, like, learn stuff or come up with ideas. Yeah. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, you must just, you know, you must just only do this and only do that. And because I didn't want him to overthink uh, anything and he was fine with it and it was great, but it was also like a bit of fried Barry is also a bit of Gary in a sense of, um, in a sense of just like, it's funny because like when I talk to Gary, like if I say to Gary, sometimes I'll be like, 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I went down the road and, you know, I went to McDonald's. So Gary would actually say, oh, yeah, yeah. So you, you went down the road and went to McDonald's. And I feel like I just fucking said that. <laughs> <laughs> so he would, he would like, he, he sometimes repeats. So that's why when I got this idea, it was a mashup of like, you know, the character from like Bad Boy Bobby. Yeah. It's fucking Edward Scissorhands meets Gary meets Fry Barry. Yeah. So, so it was just, and even a lot of the dialogue within the movie from, from Barry, it was the mimicking. So, you know, when one person, like when the girl would say, hey, go, uh, hey, come back to my place. And he would go, my place. So he'd pick the odd word, but it would make sense. Right. You know? So it, it was just like, and, and even if he's just mimicking and he delivers, delivers the line a bit weird, it's fine. He's a fucking alien. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know? So, and, and that's why I'm saying it. Like I had to make the movie around Gary to make it work. Or, or otherwise it would fail miserably. So it had to be the right story, the right character. And nobody else could have played this part better than Gary. I mean, because of his face and, and you know, and how he was. So it was just, it was perfect casting. And I believe that, you know, everybody's got that one film that is absolutely perfect for them. And this was it for, for Gary. Now, okay, I'm going to jump in here. Earlier, you mentioned that this was based on a short film you made. And for anybody listening, you can find it on YouTube. It's three minutes long and it's great. However, it, so originally, I, I don't know who reached out, but Oksana told me somebody reached out and were like, hey, you need to talk to this guy, Ryan Kruger. And we're like, who the fuck is Ryan Kruger? Like, it, you're, so, so that's your uh, Christian name, right? Kruger's not a last name that you just took on? <laughs> no, it's my name. <laughs> Too many Voorheeses out there? You just want to be a Kruger? <laughs> so it's like, okay, Ryan Kruger. And they're like, oh, he's got this short film. I'm like, Fried Berry? Oh, what the hell is this? And you turn it on, and it is this beautiful interpretive dance of a manic man who's clearly in the throes of hard drugs. Yet it's not a critical eye that we're looking through. It's almost sympathetic, but it's fucking manic. And it's like, wait, he's going to turn this into a fucking feature? Now, watch the short, and then whatever you think the feature's going to be, I, you got to be wrong. I mean, if, if you've been listening, Ryan cited three alien movies yeah. as an influence. So, it's, it's, I mean, on IMDb, it says that, you know, Barry ends up being abducted. When that happened in the fucking film, I was shocked. I mean, we're already dealing with a, uh, a uh, what's the word, um, unreliable narrator. Mm -hmm. And then when he's abducted, it's like, w what the fuck is happening? Also, there are great special effects that come in here. How did, how did your short evolve into this like late night bender adventure? Well, I think that was it. You see, the thing is, the, sh the short really has nothing to do with the feature <laughs> apart from, I mean, some people could watch it and go, oh, yeah, I mean, how the fuck is he going to turn that into a feature like you just said? But now? yeah. But, it, but, but it's also like it was never meant to be a feature at all. So the only aspect that I took from the short was was the, the drug addict, and that was it. It know? was it was the roux for your gumbo, you know. You, well, you got you got the fat there in the pan. It's going. That's the base, and you well, you've got the strong base. See, Ryan's on <laughs> his head. He knows. Well, you watch the short, and the only thing the only thing that I'm sure everybody walked away from is who's that actor, and where do I watch more of him? So yeah. I, 
Yeah. I just want to know how he I ended mean, up getting abducted. <laughs> and becoming a sex symbol. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing is like, you know, the, the short was designed. It, the, the short is like a drug PSA. It was, it's almost designed <laughs> to make you feel uncomfortable. And, you know, and don't fucking take drugs. You know? Yeah. Well, you, you literally open with the fried egg uh, visual metaphor from the 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that, Im- that what, not an infomercial. What the hell is that? A PSA. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, PSA. So, so when I got the idea for the feature, because basically what happened was with, with the short, it did really well. Went to all those festivals and, uh, you know, it, it, we won some awards and we started getting all this fan art. So when we started to get all this fan art, it was, obviously it's so random. I mean, like who the fuck makes fan art for a short film, you know? So it just, it just randomly happened. And then I think when other people saw it and other people saw that other people were doing like sketches of them, then I don't know, I'm guessing then they just thought, oh, this is a cool character and, and did some more fan art. So I knew it was kind of onto something, but again, it, it was never meant to be a feature. I mean, there is no story for the short. It was just a guy in a fucking building off head and drug. So when I got the idea for the feature, as I said, it just, had to be right and it had to be perfect for it for it to work or it just you know it would fall flat so when i got these ideas obviously all the time having in mind uh gary green so it's like if i'm going to do this it has to be right for gary to be able to do it otherwise it's just not going to work so when i thought of these references i just thought this is perfect and as long as I, I show Gary at the beginning a certain character and then we show that changeover with the character, then it's going to work. But I need to show that first character first where, you know, he's just a bastard and then he gets abducted and then he's just an alien. And then there's no, <laughs> then there's, then there's no major wrong way to play it in a sense of uh, him not speaking and just these you know, these random looks on his face and, and it, it just worked. It, it just worked, but I knew it would work, but I knew it had to be Gary. And, uh, you know, and obviously I never thought of anybody else, but it was just like, I just knew it, 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 it would work. Yeah. It's so, I mean, we, in the current times we live in, everybody's always trying to find the voice of the director and what is their big stance on drugs? What are they glorifying? Like, why, why are you terrible for making this film? And it, I just thought it was so interesting that we're living with this character for 90 minutes. And right off the bat, you, you establish he's not a nice guy. He's shitty to his family. Yeah. He's ignoring his kids. He's doing a bunch of drugs. He goes to a bar. He, you know, he's quiet. So you almost wonder if he's just kind of like, Maybe he's got some mental issues and he's just in the wrong crowd. Just aloof. Yeah. And then it's like, I feel like he's a shitty dude, though. Then he gets abducted and victimized in a in a horribly sexual way. <laughs> and it's in like a lovely way. <laughs> and, yeah. And I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. This film is a visual buffet. Everything is shot beautifully, be it somebody walking down the street yeah. or an impromptu pregnancy. Everything looks amazing, including the way that Barry's fucking face is lit. This guy has got the fucking bone structure that models wish they had. He's <laughs> yeah, made for film. Do <laughs> Dude, I, I've been watching a lot of Drag Race and, okay. uh, you know, All right. 
I, I've seen people injecting plastic into their cheeks to start looking like Barry. And it's, <laughs> it's such a, like, honestly, when we were talking about influences, I thought you were going to come out right off the gate with like uh, Larry Clark, Harmony Kareen, like these drug yeah. epics. But instead, it's like close encounters of the third kind. Yeah. But, so you're not working for the American government, are you? <laughs> Have you? Uh, just Barry. Barry's been working with the government. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, currently we're trying to desensitize the American people to uh, UFOs so that when the, uh, the declassified documents of, you know, Roswell in the uh, 80s is comes this, out. Is this the, uh... <laughs> it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if Gary said to me, I'm actually a fucking alien, you know. Like, <laughs> makes fucking sense, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but... I, like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't even be surprised. I'd be like, fuck, I thought so, you know. It's weird. So, okay, so he's, again, this film's not out yet. When it gets out there, we're going we're gonna to let everybody know. Hopefully, people were able to check it out during Fantasia. But Gary, he, his character pivots after being abducted, like I imagine we all would. And oddly enough, I feel like he becomes more human. Was, am I alone in that, Clark? No, but, that, but that's their, you know, because obviously it's a lot of, because uh, in the end, really, he, he, you actually, you know, you, you hate the guy that he is to start with. And then when he be, becomes abducted and the aliens in his body, you know, it becomes more human. It's, it's that mimicking. And that's why, you know, you start to care for him. And, you know, when you start to care for him, this, this is the thing. If you look at the poster or the trailer for the movie or just the way Gary looks, Straight away, you're like, bad guy. He's got to be a bad guy. Look at that face. He's, he's, he's a bad guy. And that's the, the cool thing about it, that you know, w- when the film starts, and even when he's been abducted and the aliens walking around to start with, you still think he's a bad guy. You know, with the with the tone and the feel, with the music, you just think like, oh, shit, he's going to fuck somebody up right now. <laughs> and, and it just develops as it, as, as it goes along. And you know, you end up caring for him or when he gets beaten up, you're like, oh shit, no, they're beating up Barry, you know? And, uh, you know, you, you end up, and that's why, you know, his wife falls back in love with him, you know? Well, yeah, because he's not, you know, <laughs> beating the child and beating her and, you know, going all over the place. And, but it's, so what was the choice with making him this, Apoca- yes, apocalyptic <laughs> sex figure. Yeah, so we we've always you know me and my producer we've always said like so I mean the w- the way the movie was made and the ideas that we had at the time, uh, it, you know we've always said like that it's almost like you know he's got this like aura around him where where it makes people want to fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, well, that's that's that, that's the only possible way that that would happen, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, because of the way he looks, so you know, you wouldn't have all these random people just randomly coming onto him. So it's almost like this aura around him that people are like, oh fuck, I want to fuck this guy, and and that was the thing. And it was just the the funny thing is because we made it in in you know blocks with this movie, and obviously I watched it like a shitload of times during the editing process and stuff like that. But what was quite funny was when we had the world premiere at CineQuest and you're sitting there in front of an audience that you're kind of watching it for the first time again in a sense of, you know, you have all these people around you and you just, you're really like open 
open to it and you're just like, oh shit, okay, all these people are going to watch it. I wonder what they're going to think and so on. And the funny thing is I didn't realize that there was so much fucking sex in the, <laughs> of the movie. And I was just like, shit, I didn't realize there was so much. Because every time I watched it, I watched it in bits here and there and then eventually watched it again and again. But I think when it came to the, uh, to the screening for the premiere, it was just funny that, you know, I think if you get past a certain point, it's just like, like I, the, during the birth scene, two people walked out, like a couple walked out. And I think they were just like, fuck this shit. <laughs> and just left. And, and I thought, oh shit, I'm losing the audience here. But every, you know, everybody else was like loving it. And, the, and I think after like a certain amount of sex scenes, if you can make it past that, then, then you're in for the rest of it. Now, you're, so talk, you're talking was, specifically about the audience at Cinequest, right? And that, that was in San yeah. Jose? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. That, that checks oh. out. Oh. Yeah, that, look, man. That, I didn't uh, even make that connection. Yeah. Oh, shit. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, nothing against our friends over there at Cinequest, but uh, a lot of the, uh, the uh, clientele, they're the older generation. Like Clark, Clark yeah. is a gentleman. I say fuck Cinequest again. Ryan Kruger. It, this, it, my my opinion is my own. Uh, we run a film yeah. fest, and they stole two movies from us. And of course, they're the big <laughs> corporate monster. We couldn't get them back. Anyway, that was just my. It's bit. all part of the game, baby. I know. <laughs> it's all part of the game. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, the, the the cool thing was that we had we actually had our target market in in the screening, and we also had another half of people that wasn't our target market. And it was great to see at the end with the questions and with uh, chatting to the people afterwards that, you know, both audiences really loved it. You know, they really enjoyed it. So there was some people that I thought, okay, they're, they're not going to like it. And they actually did. And they weren't our target market either. So it was good. It was, it was just on that one sex scene, which is, which is quite hectic. Yeah. I think they just, the people just thought, I don't know where the fuck this movie's going. And, I'm not going to watch anymore. No, no, no. If they, if they walked out during that, they're just lame. Also, it's a hallmark of a great film. When people walk out, Yeah, nothing makes me happier being in that audience, but yeah, your film, it's it's like I said, like the short is the short was designed to make you feel uncomfortable. And it was exact. I mean, the feature is basically an experimental feature, but also the way it was made, but also the, it's also designed to make you feel uncomfortable and to make you like, you know, you're going on this journey with Fry Barry and then other times you're not going on the journey. You know, you're going, you're going as if you're Fry Barry or you're also going on the journey with him. And, you know, and it, you, you know, you might have feel like, you know, after the film, you just want to fucking take a shower. <laughs> well, yeah. here's the thing. So your short film, the reason I brought up Larry Clark and Harmony Corrine is because those films always teeter on the, on the exploitive scale. And it's kind of like, yeah. oh, how much of this is us just watching people you, we shouldn't usually, be watching? But usually, usually at the cost of, you know, children. I, exactly. So it feels dirty in that way. Yeah. Now, now your short film almost feels like it's inspired by that. Like, let's watch a guy self-destruct. Except undeniably, it is technically very well made and beautiful to look at. Now, the film. The film, however, is not exploitive feeling at all. No. We are clearly dealing with a character in an adventure film. And uh, yeah. now I, I, we have a shared screen here, and Clark pull, saw me pull up two movies that I think 
for everybody who's kind of having trouble imagining what this film is, I would like to say it's a mixture between Edmund and Into the Void. <laughs> now, Edmund is the first time I'd ever watched a fucking, uh, who, who was the writer that everybody hated when we were talking As about? David Mamet. Mammoth and you know into the void of course is a visual uh epic hated your word not mine okay yeah my word and really that's what we're dealing with and it doesn't feel exploitive and honestly you're kind of watching barry as an oddity and as a vile human until he's abducted then he kind of comes back to earth and is like an audience member completely confused but the strength of fried berry is you're constantly entertaining and keeping us on our feet like i didn't know what the fuck to expect with this movie like 40 minutes and, into and it. Yeah. And that's what I, you know, I try my best with, you know, I, I think it's harder to entertain audiences these days, you know? Yes. So I <laughs> wanted to, to entertain the audience and for them at no point know, you know, that it's predictable, you know? And it's one of those films where you can't sit there and go, I'm just going to go get a drink. From the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. And then you'd come back and you'd be like, why the fuck is he here now? What have I missed? So it's one of those where you constantly, you know, have to watch and you constantly just entertain going on this journey. And that's why I always say to people, it, it, Fry Barry is like a road movie without the car and Fry Barry is the car. <laughs> yeah. You know? 100%. Yeah, man. It's just so kinetic and, and you know, full of life. It's, uh, Man, it's so much fun. And I, I think that, you know, it's easy for American audiences uh, to, to grasp onto that, you know, because, yes, you are dealing with, you know, the drug culture on some level. But at the end of the day, again, I'm choosing my words lightly here. This is kind of a feel good movie. Feel, what are you are you justifying the use of your drugs during the well, viewing I'm just of the saying, film? <laughs> I'm saying sometimes look to, you gotta go through some shit to get to the, the final level you understand you know to get to heaven you gotta go through hell so I, okay. I, think, that, <laughs> I think that's part of the battle yeah you, you took edibles during what this viewing experience I mean, right you know I take edibles when the sun goes down I look, night, <laughs> look I gotta get yelled at but by Texans I, every day I think, like, Fried Barry, and I knew this from the start, it's one of those films that you either love or you hate. You either get it or you don't. And, and that's the thing. You either get it or you don't. You either open to those uh, sort of things or visuals that's not going to, you know, make you uh, want to walk out. And the people that will love it will love it. The people that will hate it will fucking hate it. People will speak about it. So, and that's what it's designed to do. I mean... Wouldn't you rather have a film that, that if people don't like it, you know, to actually speak about it? I mean, there's plenty sure. of movies that get made that it's not worth a fucking conversation or it's not worth talking about it, you know? So it, it's one of those, you either love it or you hate it. And the people that are hated will still speak about it because it is so, it, it, it's kind of a bold movie not to talk about because of the, the content that's in it. But at the same time, it's, you know, there's certain people that will, there's certain people that look at certain films and they try and get, like, what is this director trying to say? You know, what is he trying to say? What is he trying to say with um, the drugs? Or what is he trying to say with the blowjob in the bathroom? Or what are you trying <laughs> You know, and the thing is, it's just like, it's just a fucking movie. Yeah. It's just entertainment. It's, it's, it's just a journey. And, and you're going along for the ride. And, and that's it. So 
you know, you either pay for your ticket and go on this joyride or you get off because you can't handle it, you know? So I, I think for me, it's, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, it, 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 it's really that right audience to, to watch it, but also the, the structure and the design of the film, it, it's, you know, it's more offbeat and it's just a little bit different than, than what we would normally see. And I think as filmmakers, you know, we have to change it up. I mean, we're living in the generation of like remakes and this and that. We've seen it all before. Or, you know, there's more crap movies than ever these days. You know, and I'm not saying Fry Barry is the best fucking film in the world. I'm just saying that, you know, there's, you know, there's people, that's why I say people will love it or they will hate it. But it's, it's, you know, there's more bad movies than ever. I mean, I go back and watch old movies all the time because sometimes, you know, you go on Netflix and you're just like, oh, this is shit. This is shit. Or you watch, you know, 10, 20 minutes, half an hour and you can't, it's just bad filmmaking. So I think it's our job as filmmakers to change it up and, and make people not expect what's going to happen. I mean, when you watch a film and you're trying to, and you know, I do it all the time and you, you watch a film and you're saying, right, the twist is either going to be this is going to happen or this is going to happen. It's one of the, one of the two. And it normally is one of the two. So yeah. I wanted to keep every single scene where it's unpredictable. And we didn't know where it was going to go. And that's why I wanted people not to leave to go grab a drink or go to the toilet that they just want to watch it or they're going to be lost, you know, to, to be in that moment with him. And it, it's like this constant tap on your shoulder that constantly, you know, it's just nagging you all the way through the, through the, through the film that you're just on this, this journey and it doesn't really slow down until, you know, little bits of the you know, here and there, the film where, you know, slows down and then it comes back up again. Have you seen Climax? I still want to watch it. I haven't watched it yet. I really, 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 really want to watch it. All right. I, I would say that Friedberry, you're kind of, you've got the same tempo as that film going, which is a compliment. Okay. I, I, I promise you <laughs> where it's just kind of ever evolving, but you never know where you even started. And it's like, what? what is this journey I'm even on? Yeah. Now, have you watched anything recently? Totally, it's very different. Totally. Uh, it's, it's uh, I don't know. People, watch both movies, everybody, and be a judge for yourself. Now, have you watched anything recently that you were impressed with? Um, fuck, dude. Um, I'm trying to think now. What have I watched recently? Um, okay, you've been in the pandemic. you got a 9 p.m. curfew. What are you doing at home? <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think now. Whatever, what, whatever I watched recently, I honestly can't think of. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got a few movies on my list that I like that I want to watch, but uh, I mean, nothing comes to mind like right, right now. So, are you I mean, are you a big horror fan? I like all genres. I like I like all genres. I love I love. Uh, I, that's why I said I love like '80s cinema. I mean. A lot of the horror films these days, you know, there's a handful of good ones, but there's also like a lot of shit out there as well. Well, there's so, a ton of everything right now. It's like, yeah, no, it, exactly. Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. There's every genre, there's a ton of stuff that you watch, whether it's meant to be a comedy and you watch it and you just like, why? This is not funny. Why, why, why isn't it funny? You know, it's meant to be funny, but you're just not laughing at at the jokes, you know, and it's, it's either badly written or it's just for some random audience that you, 
I mean, fuck, people are probably going to say the same shit about Frank Barry. You know, <laughs> you watch it, even you fucking don't, you know? So. I don't know. You know, I think the way that uh, the poster is presented and when you even the title of the film, Fried Berry, I'm pretty sure people who are going to be horrified by the film aren't going to even jump into it. I, I think there's enough warning signs that, you know, actually the film presents itself as being, you know, this is going to be a pretty intense character drama about a guy using drugs, which is an understatement. And uh, I think people are going to be shocked with it. It's yeah. dude. Fred Berry's gonna kill. Well, it's hypnotic. Yeah, it's it's uh, the 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 camera language, and uh, again the score. It's just you're brought immediately into that world, and it's very hypnotic. Can you talk a little bit about Gareth Place, the your cinematographer for the film? I, I was really taken by his work, but I, I was shocked to see that he hadn't actually done much before. Yeah. So so Gareth's background. He's he normally shoots like commercials and stuff, you know, he's, he's, yeah, he's normally done like commercials and like corporate stuff. And he's never, you know, he's never done, well, he's never shot a feature either. So, I mean, this film came around like super, like so quick. Like as soon as I got the idea, I mean, this is basically how it went. I got the idea. I spent three days on 50% of the scene breakdown and I, the, my producer at the time um, that I recently met, I only know, knew him for about a month and we shot like two experimental films together. And I rang him up and I said to him, I said, dude, I want to, I want to shoot a movie and I want to shoot it next month. And he's like, have you got a script? I'm like, no. He's like, why haven't you got a script? Now, now like, where are we in your timeline? Is this back in 2019? Uh, yeah. So this is two, uh, just over two years ago. Okay. Yeah, just. So then I was like, um, no, I haven't got a script, but I need to do it a certain way for it to work. And he was like, well, why do you need to shoot it next month? And I was like, because if we don't shoot it next month, it's never going to happen. Oh, so yep. you're with me or you're not. And he's like, cool, let's do it. So we started <laughs> planning and I had a DOP originally and he let me down. I think it was like three or four days before shooting they always and, do <laughs> and at one point i thought shit i'm gonna have to shoot this movie with like 10 different dops and gareth i bumped into him at one of the gear houses uh like i think it was like literally it was it was literally like i think it was like two days before it was something ridiculous it was like two or three days before we lost the the the, the original dp he got a big job and he was wanted to do that instead and then i bumped into gareth at a gear house and i started chatting to him and the funny thing was we actually went to film school together but we actually never spoke to each other he was in his little gang i was in my little gang we we actually never uh we actually never really spoke so i said to him you know i've seen some of his stuff and i'm like i'm shooting this film and we're doing the first week block uh in the next day <laughs> so then, and i was like Cool, dude. Are you keen to come on board? And he goes, Yeah, yeah, cool, definitely. So we had a meeting, we chatted. I, you know, I told him all the like 80s cinema references, and I was like, you know, I don't want it to be clean. I don't want it, you know, I wanted, I want shadows. I want it to be dark. I want it to be gritty. I want it to be like, you know, you know that 80s uh, cinema. And and he's used to, you know, filming that polished, clean look. You know, so when we started. 
you know, obviously, you know, he's been thrown into this thing with no prep or anything. And, you know, I think the, the first few days he would light it a certain way. And I'd say to him, no, no, dude, like, it's all right. I want it to be dark. I want it to be, you know, gritty. And I want the shadows. And I want, you know, I want this. It mustn't be, it mustn't be commercial looking whatsoever. It must be just that grittiness. And, and then he just got the hang of it. And then, and then our relationship just, you know, when we started working together, it just, you know, he got it. He understood what, you know, what I wanted. And then, and then that was it then. And then it was, you know, then we started to look at other like references of lighting and this and that. And also, also showing Cape Town in a whole new light. Because I mean, a lot of overseas films come shoot here, pretending to be different countries. And then South African films always shows off how beautiful Cape Town is. So I wanted to also show Cape Town in a completely different, different way. And, you know, have that, you know, that dark side of, of any town, you know, every town, you know, we, we always have these bad, you know, areas of, of things. So I wanted to show that side, uh, the other side of uh, Cape Town. And what was funny with Gareth was, you know, he was shooting this first block till I think it was till like Friday. And I sat there in the car the one day and I was like, fuck. And I was speaking to my producer, uh, James E. Williamson. And I said to him, to Gareth's actually really good. And, you know, it would be a shame to like lose him. It would be great if he could stay on. But I know he's got plans to go away for two days with his, with his girlfriend. And um, so then I spoke to Gareth and I said, listen, dude, um, I'll give you the rest of the movie. Um, but you must shoot on the weekend. Oh. He goes, I'm going away with my girlfriend. And I was like, I'll give you the rest of the movie if you want it. And I knew that he wanted it because he also wanted it just as much as I wanted it oh. to, to be, you know, his first film. So he goes, so as soon as I said to him, uh, I'll give you the rest of the movie if you don't go away with your girlfriend. And he's like, deal. And I was like, cool. And I was like, just tell your girlfriend. I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then that was it. And then uh, he didn't go away with his girlfriend on the weekend. And then we shot an extra two days. And then that was it. He was on board for the, for the rest of the movie, which was great. And yeah, he brought so much to the project. He's a brilliant DP. And, you know, he's also very creative and, you know, I mean, make, making films, it's a very, you know, I think you get a lot of filmmakers that, you know, that, you know, have these certain ideas or they just want to do it their way. But making, making films, it's a collaborative thing, you know, and you've got to be open. And, and that's the thing. And that's how I work. And I think, I don't know if it's because of, you know, you know, I've done, you know, I do my acting as well. And then I have my directing. My directing makes me a stronger actor. My actor makes me a stronger director. But it's a collaborative thing. And, and that's the thing with Fry Byrie, the way we made it and stuff like that. It was, it was a very collaborative, you know, project to do. I'm very, very creative. And that's at that time in my life, it's what I needed. Uh, the most because before I shot this movie, I went through a, a very shit time. Um, I had something wrong with my kidney. I went into depression. I went through a breakup. Uh, my cat nearly died of cancer. Oh, <laughs> and there was just there was just so much shit that I went through and and longing so much for so long to do a feature. So I just hit rock bottom with like depression, and I was like, you know what? I know the one thing that the one thing that would make me get out of this would be, you know, at the top of my list was always to to make a film. 
And and that's wow. how it came about. So that quickly. the dude. And that's why I wanted it to shoot it so quickly. What an amazing story. How you found inspiration through depression? God damn kidneys. It's like 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 Fried Barry saved my life in so many fucking ways. In so many ways, because I needed that that one thing in life what I always wanted was a feature. And where I was at the time, like I hit rock bottom and I was just like, I, you know, I needed to do something and you knew that would get me out of it. And I, like I said, I had all these other scripts that I could have shot. Probably would have been way fucking easier than Pride <laughs> Barry, but it needed to be something very, very creative to, to, to do. And with Fry Barry, it was just that super, super creative project to be in the moment and have that organicness on set and to be able to do what I wanted to do and to live in, in that moment with those actors and with Gary just, you know, going through it. And it saved my life in so many ways. And not only did I get my first feature out of it, my producer that I only knew for a month beforehand, you know, he became like one of my best friends. So, and that's what I also needed at the time. And so it, it's crazy how it actually all worked out. It makes sense too. Like the whole narrative of fried berry. It's just a guy kind of thriving while the whole world is just beating the shit out of him. And he's even yeah. kind of, he's not treating himself very well either yet. You know, we're rooting for him. And plus the cherry on top of this is that, yes, you, you've, you've got all these relationships that uh, were built during this and then even strengthened during the production of this. But at the end of the day, Ryan, you got a great fucking movie too. So it's just, uh, it, it, it worked out on that end. Yeah, normally that story ends with a terrible film. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'd be trying to track you down and talking about it, which I'm going to pivot into. Right. How did you hear about us? Because you're one of our few guests that actually came over on our end. Yeah, well, I, I was just doing research on. I mean, this is like I said, this because this is my first film. I mean, you've got you've got one shot at it. I get it. Yeah. Making a film is one thing. Marketing a film is another thing. Get it into festivals is also another thing. And, and even selling a film is another story. So. So you came in here blind. You, You, you took a fucking shot. Now, did you listen to any of our show before or are you just that brave? I didn't. Oh, you fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) I will go now. (laughs) Please don't. (laughs) Dude, Ryan, I'm so glad you reached out, man. Um, Your film is fucking amazing. And I I can't imagine all the careers that are going to be made out of this. And also, like, so you have to be working on something next, right? Uh, I want to next next year. There's a I'm not I can't speak too much about it, but it's a, it's a time travel uh, movie. Yes, so, <laughs> of course it is. Hopefully, we can go back in time. <laughs> and and yeah, so that's that's the next project that I want to make. But yeah, it's, the, it's also. I mean, once you've done, you know, when you make your first film, every filmmaker will say. You know, it has to be good. Obviously, it has to be fucking good. But it's a, it's an understatement. Like, when, when, when you make your first film, it has to be the best shit that you've ever done. And you have to know it while you're doing it. Otherwise, there's no point. There's no fucking point. So yeah. I put, like, fucking everything into this film. Like, I put all my chips in. I was like, I'm betting on it. And 
And, you know, in the past, you know, I've been close to making like other films before and it didn't happen. But it's one of those things where, you know, where people say, you know, oh, when the time is right. And it just was. And it felt that the time was right. And even during the making of the film, there was quite a few actors, you know, that came up to me and said, you know, there's something special about this movie. And I'm like, what do you mean? And I'm just like really interested, to, you know, to hear what they say. And they go, I don't know what it is, but there's just something special about this movie. So it was really, it was really cool and really nice, you know, to hear that. And, you know, once it hit uh, Brazil and the amount of feedback and they, they loved it over there. And we've had, I've had so many people like reach out and message me. And it's one of those things where it's, you know, you know, when people reach out and they, you know, they talk about your film and even you guys now just saying, you know, you really enjoyed the movie and you really liked it. And, you know, there's other many, many people have watched it and they've said, oh, you know, this is going to be like a classic or, you know, this is a masterpiece and this and this and this. And then I'm listening. I'm going, are they talking about my movie? <laughs> you know? So, and, it, and it's weird. It's, it's, it's very weird to hear, but it's also, you know, I'm very humble about it. And, and it's very, it's great. I mean, it, it just shows me that I've, you know, I've done my job right. And, you know, and then there's, you know, there's an audience, there's a fan base for the movie. And even with, you know, even with Gary, I mean, Gary got nominated at Rapid Lion here in South Africa for Best Actor. Oh, hell and yeah. And then he won Best Actor at Fantasburg. Oh, so damn. for Gary not to be a trained actor and for him not to do the improv thing and me to just work super very close to him to get exactly what I wanted. It also, I'm, I'm so happy for Gary. Like, he's such a good guy. He's a nice guy and he loves, you know, doing the acting thing and everything and he loves it. But I'm so proud of him that, you know, he gave 120% every single take. And but it also makes me feel great because I've done my job to the best of my ability to get exactly what I wanted out of them and to get the right the right story and the you know the right uh, character and Gary to to be able to do. Now, does Gary Gary needs to have a fucking vlog or something? I would tune in every day if that fool had a camera in his face and was just running around during the pandemic. Please, he, please he, tell uh, him to. He's, he, Gary's a great guy, but he's also weird. Good, perfect. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and that's and that's the thing. But Gary also doesn't. He doesn't do any interviews. He doesn't do any. Yeah, he doesn't do any interviews or anything. I think he's done one, one, uh, one interview, uh, and that was like a, for a magazine. And apart from that, he doesn't do any interviews. Um, but he's uh, he's a super nice guy and. I mean, it's one of those, like, if you knew, if you know him, you'll love him. And some of the stories that he tells me, I'm like, oh my God. Like I even said to my producer the other day, I was like, we should do, cause the amount of stories he tell, tells me and I can't start laughing my head off. And he doesn't think it's funny. He's telling me like, you know, he's dead serious, whatever he's telling me. And I always think uh, like the other day I said, we should have this thing where it's like stories with fried Barry and it's just him talking about random shit. Yeah. And it would be so fucking funny because Dude, it's just like get get him on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, I have, I have, I actually, I actually made one the other week. So he's, uh, I, I'm gonna start doing some stuff with him there. But um, all right, please yeah, keep I mean, us Gary updated with up that. With so, please up with some funny stuff. <laughs> Good before it's completely banned in America, we need to see Gary on TikTok. <laughs> so please shoot sure. us a link whenever that's that's live. 
Did did you guys check out the uh, the condom commercial? No. Is that is that in the press stuff that you sent us? And uh, probably not. No. Uh, you you can check it on my Instagram and stuff like that. So the other great thing about this movie is the marketing because it's not like because the movie's so wacky and so crazy. The the marketing that we've done for because the character's so strange and weird and wonderful that we've we've been able to do so many crazy um marketing but you know because it's not like any other movie so we've done like all these memes and we've done these like a fake tom down commercial um uh, you must check it out it, it's, it's pretty funny and then we've we've got these other things about to be released which is like uh safe sex with fry barry three parts i think it might be a little bit too hectic to oh. <laughs> and uh and then there's uh like a tampon commercial there's uh there's lot there's lots of funny funny shit to come out and um yeah there's uh, you, m- you must check it out there's a lot of like weird funny stuff that we did I, I mean I don't know if you heard of the do you remember there was that chick that went viral with uh what's the name Belle, uh, Belle Delphine where she was selling her like bath water oh yeah um, so we d- we did one with Barry and so it's Barry's bath water <laughs> that he was selling and stuff and then uh, you know we did that and then. We also did one where we buy Belle Delphine's bathwater and, and Fry Barry tastes it. And then, uh, you know, then he starts having like a fit and it cuts to like, you know, clips from the short film and stuff like that. So, yeah, it, the, the marketing is pretty is pretty cool on this movie. Like there's so many cool and random weird uh, things that, uh, yeah, is, uh, that, that's going to come out. So, so when Belle Delphine sold her bathwater, uh, a gentleman purchased it and then vaped it. Now, if you can get um, <laughs> some uh, fried berry bath water, we will send you a video of Clark vaping that bath water. I promise you. No, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put it right in the main vein, baby. Okay. <laughs> Jack. And, and theme with the movie. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. All, right. All right. Well, Ryan, uh, this was an absolute blast. Thank you so much. Um, uh, anything you want to plug at this time? Yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen Fry Barry, check it out at Fantasia right now um, or check out the trailer on YouTube. Just type in Fry Barry and yeah, follow the journey. If you go to Instagram or Facebook, type in Ryan Kruger or uh, Fry Barry and I'm pretty sure you'll, you'll come up with the page or frybarry.com or ryankruger.tv. Perfect. Yeah, I'll make sure to put all that in the show notes too, including that short film, which is on YouTube right now. So yeah. Indeed. Yeah, you should check out check out the um, the condom commercial. I think you might like. It. Oh, I've, sure. I've got it pulled up already. So once we're done here, we're gonna watch it. <laughs> well, let me know what you think. We'll do. Thanks again, Ryan.